The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. Tonight's episode of Wrestling Night in Canada is dedicated to the memories of Pat Patterson and Bob Ryder. You're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network with your hosts, Matt Copper, Dustin Maruka, and Snowy White. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruka. Hey, bros, what's going on? Oh, no, you know what? Better yet, with everything that's going on in the wrestling world, let me say... How stoked is everyone tonight? <laughs> well, we got a lot to talk about. Lots of, lot, lots of exciting things to discuss. So, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there definitely is. There definitely is. Like, we're recording this, you know, to draw back the curtain a little bit. We're recording this on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. Okay, Monday, December 7th. And all day while I'm at work, while I'm at what I call money job, I've had people, yeah, how was your weekend and all that? And I was like, well, it, it is what it was. Nothing too excited with everything going on in the world. Tonight, though, okay, I'm sitting down with a couple of my homies, and I'm not going into too many details with just a bunch of people, you know, about my life and all that. But I'm sitting down with a couple of my homies tonight, and I'm turning Monday night into Saturday fucking night tonight. So I, <laughs> I hope, I hope you guys are just as stoked as I am for everything that's going on. Because, um, like you said, we got a lot to talk about. We got a wicked, wicked turnbuckle talk. Absolutely. As well, some really cool events. Um, some of. One of them, well, we're going to be talking about, I actually was able to sit down and check it out myself so I can actually contribute to those. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, if it's not AEW or whatever, you know, it's like, how much do I realize? I basically sit back, pour another drink, and I let you guys. And you don't have the yeah. network, so. Well, see, that's just it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's just it. You, gotta, you, you at least got to get the free version. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe. I think maybe I should um, look into that. But I did manage to catch one. I was pretty excited to do that. And there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on in AEW as well. Um, uh, but the Doctor's Coming special was uh, was very interesting. A lot, well, couple of good things happened. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't wait to dive headlong into all of that. But... Before we do that, unfortunately, as you heard at the top of the show, we had a couple dedications. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah, by now it's all throughout the wrestling world that we lost the great Pat Patterson. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. He's 79 years young now. I'm sure the majority, okay, if you're really, really young, okay, if you're just discovering you know, wrestling now at 12, 13, you know, that's kind of around about that age where kids, you know, discover it. You might not know anything who Pat Patterson is, but maybe if you were a little older, you know, this is probably where you guys come in with the Pat Patterson career was um, as one of the stooges in, yep. the, w- in the WWF Attitude Era. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, him, yeah, him and Jerry Briscoe mm-hmm. were Vince's stooges and all that. Well, before that, he was actually quite. He had actually had quite the decorated career. You know, starting out in the whole territory areas, uh, the AWA in Florida and the NWA as well. He was AWA. World Tag Team Champions. Uh, was, they were the fabulous blondes. The Blonde Bombers. Okay. The, in the late 60s with Ray Stevens. Patterson turned on him. And they had a big a big feud with that. That's basically, I believe, what basically put both, both of them on the map. And probably a little bit later on. He was um, dubbed the first, the very first Intercontinental Champion. I yeah, believe. The first ever. <laughs> yeah, under Miss. Mis- <laughs> on SmackDown, I think they had his belt. Yeah, like the original it, one. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very different. Very very different from what, as I recall, it's very different from what we know now. I believe it started out. It was the the North American title, which I believe Ted DiBiase also held it, you know, years before, you know, the whole million dollar man thing. But it it turned in to the Intercontinental title. And Patterson had one, quote unquote, won this phantom tournament in Rio de Janeiro to be the. To be the inaugural IC champion, <laughs> you know, and then yeah, and then was, uh, <laughs> ever since then, <laughs> yeah, the title's yeah. been building and building. It's it's kind of had its ups and downs, but I still appreciate the title as a as the workhorse title for the guys who kind of mm-hmm. had that glass ceiling that we're never going to elevate to the world title status, right? Yeah, like uh, yeah, like like Dustin said this. Uh, this past uh, week on SmackDown, they they had a Pat Patterson dedication match, which was a six man tag with all former Intercontinental champions and the current Intercontinental champion Sami Zayn. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, and a six man tag where where his uh, or the original belt was actually like at ringside on a on a platform being displayed. So that was kind of nice. I kind of wish I saw that now. Yeah, yeah, it was Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Dolph Ziggler against uh, Big E, Rey Mysterio, and Daniel Bryan. Ah, right on, right on. I think that's a rather fitting tribute. Yep, and also mm-hmm. at, the, at the top of the show, they had, like, the dedication mural to him, and throughout the show, they actually had, like, little like little vignettes about him, like, showing highlights of his career, and they had all the all the SmackDown roster standing at the top of the stage and did the 10-bell the salute to him. So wow. I, thought, I thought that was very fitting. It is, it is, but just not not everyone gets the treatment. No, but you have to say, yeah, you also have to realize, realize that Pat Patterson was one of Vince McMahon's best friends in real life mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And I believe he worked, like you said, he was an agent, worked backstage all the way up until the end. Yeah, until his dying day, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that's too bad. Yeah, definitely one of the all-time greats, but I, I have to admit, like... Uh, the Stooge thing, obviously, a guy like me, oh, that bugged me so bad. I hated it so much. Uh, just, yeah, looking, looking back, it was kind of just like, what are you doing with these guys? Like, these guys are like <laughs> legends, and they're just like 
uh, I, I believe like they had an evening gown match at one WrestleMania between Patterson and Briscoe. It wasn't at WrestleMania. Oh, but, oh, oh. I, I think it was Backlash, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Well, either way. It was like, an evening gown match for the hardcore title. Okay. <laughs> well, wow. Like, but uh, Pat Patterson, you, he will die for being the oldest ever WWE champion, winning the 24-7 championship at uh, <laughs> at a recent yeah 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 that's that that's that's the Patterson that I'm gonna remember like the one that you know if you go on YouTube you, you go on the network find 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 his work in his prime mm-hmm. okay like that's that that's the Patterson to remember definitely and good 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 Canadian boy yeah even though he's he was billed from San Diego. We all know he was a Canadian boy. <laughs> That's right. You got to give him extra horns as well for coming out at, in, at a time like coming out now. Okay. Is whatever. It's a, it's a PC world. Everything is inclusive. Everything is open arms, which is fantastic. That's what we need. The world needs right now. Back then there was none of that. There was a lot of, homophobia there was a lot of that stuff you know backstage and a lot of bad attitudes you know for 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 him to come out like that Mm -hmm. you know like x x x extra points for him for sure good arm yeah and Mm -hmm. uh, you said he was 79 years old yeah didn't he win the intercontinental title in 1979 i think that's what yeah 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 yeah. i think it was coincidental <laughs> yeah, the wrestling universe is uh is 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 at it again. Yep. So of course, yeah, Wrestling Night in Canada gives our condolences to the Patterson family as well. We also lost one Bob Ryder. Mm-hmm. That name that name doesn't exactly pop out at you, which it didn't it didn't really do much for myself either, but Mr. Ryder will always go down as the gentleman that helped uh, found TNA with the Jarrett's. I believe right. they were, yeah, they were on the Jarrett's yacht or boat or whatever, and I guess spitballing ideas. Sure enough, TNA came up. And I'm sure, I'm sure with that name, okay, there were a lot of jokes. You know, oh, yeah. No doubt. And they said, well, okay, TNA, we can call it that, but here, we have to come up with another name. How about, you know, total nonstop action? Okay, yeah, we we better do that. Yeah. Okay, just, just kind of on a side. Okay, when talking to normies, okay, did did the TNA Federation ever come up, or when it did come up, like what kind of position were you guys put in <laughs> and like, did, did it, did, did it ever? And what's your, what was people's reaction to that name? Uh, well, what you can expect, I suppose. <laughs> like, right. It's like, Oh, did yeah. you watch TNA yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh-huh. I, uh, just last year I had a guy that I work with, like, he doesn't really know. He doesn't really like, uh, dive into wrestling or all he, or anything like that. He just knows like, he knows that it exists and he acknowledges it and he doesn't like make fun of it entirely. But he asked me like kind of half jokingly, he's like, is, is TNA still a thing? <laughs> I was like, yes, actually, but it's not called TNA anymore. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah, for some reason though, I've I've made like I still call it the WWF, okay, and I say old old, old habits. I'm I'm pretty good at calling it Impact though. Yeah, I, I, I just yeah. call it Impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all that. So yeah, and, um, yeah. Unfortunately, Mister Ryder has left us, and re- wrestling night in Canada gives our condolences to the Ryder family as well. Um, you guys want to talk a little bit of these awesome events that uh, that happened over the weekend? First of all, you know, you know what? I want to hear all about war games. Okay, war well, games. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> William Regal's favorite event of the year. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like War Games, as you can as or as it has been for the last couple of years, was uh, bookended by both the female and the male War Games uh, matches, which both, as always, delivered entirely. Mm-hmm. Like, spot fests galore, <laughs> and uh, yeah, this year's. This year's uh, war games was uh, yeah started off with the with the women's war games match, which uh, was uh, Team Candice LeRae versus Team Shotzi Blackheart. Now, oh, okay, Team Candice LeRae was comprised of, of course, Candice LeRae herself, along with uh, a, a freshly healed Tony Storm, uh, Dakota Kai, and her bodyguard slash insurance policy Raquel Gonzalez, and. Team Blackheart was comprised of Shotzi Blackheart herself, uh, along with Ember Moon, uh, Rhea Ripley, and the NXT Women's Champion Io Shirai. Mm. So, all right, right, right off the bat, you just got a star-studded lineup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even I know some of those names, or most of them, I should say. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. Yeah, you got a lot of former, and well, you got one current champion and a few former champions in that in the lineup. It started off with Dakota Kai and uh, Ember Moon were the first two entrants into the War Games match. Mm-hmm. And the advantage went to the face team, which was Team Shotzi, uh, as they won the latter match on a previous episode of NXT. So, That's yeah, weird. It, yeah, it followed the usual War Games uh, formula of like two people start and then every uh, three minutes or, or so, uh, a new, I don't know if it was actually three minutes or if it was just whatever they decided to show up on the clock. <laughs> right. Trust it. <laughs> mm. uh, same with the Royal Rumble match. I never actually trust whether it's like legitimately 90 seconds or just like. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine being that one wrestling nerd that's never kissed a girl in his life with a stop clock, you know, oh. waiting for the, you know, counting down himself. Okay. <laughs> and then, <laughs> okay. And then. And then when it's off by 20 seconds, hey, no, it's not two minutes yet. <laughs> like, I could just see some fans doing that. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you know, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that they just, like, <laughs> the, the guys in the back wait for a certain spot to happen before they display the clock at a certain time. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, go, go on, get out there. But I could just yeah. see some people, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Right, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, sorry. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, as as I said before, this match delivered on every aspect that you can possibly think of. It was uh 
nothing ever bad to say about a war games match. I don't think I've ever seen a bad war games match in my entire life. Right on, right on. Okay, is is the WWF E War Games? Is it pin or submission? It's both. But oh, okay, yeah, it's either or. But uh, with uh, this War Games doesn't have a roof on the cage, but they do have the stipulation that if you leave the cage, you sub- you forfeit the the match for your team. Thankfully, that has never actually happened because okay. with under Triple H's guys, I don't think that ever would because he knows that the NXT fans would absolutely tear it apart if it ever ended by forfeit. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, or would it have been under Vince McMahon's guidance? I guarantee you that at least one War Games match by now would have ended by forfeit. And right. yeah, you know. <laughs> do, you, do, do you personally prefer the cage over there or the roof? Like the like the old days, or like what do you personally prefer, you guys? I prefer it now because you're able to get better camera view because of it, and mm-hmm. uh, also they do a lot of uh, spots off the top of the cage now, which I think is awesome. And wow. we'll, talk, we'll talk about that pretty soon. Okay. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I started off with uh, Dakota Kai and Amber Moon uh, were the first two in. And, uh, yeah, being that the, the face team had the advantage, Shotzi Blackheart was the next one in. So it was a handicap for Team Blackheart with her and uh, Moon against Kodakai. And after that was Raquel Gonzalez was the one in. She was kind of the, I guess, like the, the heel, the heels, uh, team or the heel team's, uh, POS wrestler, I suppose, the big, the big one. <laughs> Each team had their, had their own, their own insurance policy, I suppose. So there was Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley. So Raquel okay. Gonzalez came, got even the field a little bit. But, of course, when the clock ran out, Rhea Ripley was the next one in. <laughs> and, yes, again, evened it all out. Uh, so Raquel, and, or Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley brawled uh, as soon as Ripley got in, in there while Moon and Moon and Shossi fought with uh, Dakota Kai. And uh, Kai ended up uh, with Ripley, and Ripley <laughs> opened the – a toolbox that Ed Burton brought into the ring prior to that. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> actually grabbed a hammer out of it. Holy <laughs> shit. I actually, actually hit Dakota Kai with the mallet. And yeah, which I didn't actually expect. <laughs> I didn't actually expect them to actually bring out a hammer and actually use it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, yeah, there was. They brought in a toolbox, and they brought in, of course, like probably one of the most overused weapons in wrestling nowadays, which is the kendo stick. Yeah, then Tony Storm was the next one in, and uh, Tony Storm came in and like just loaded the rings with kendo sticks, as I had said before. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. After that, yeah, after that, the, like the women were just going back and forth with the kendo sticks, and then Io Shirai was the last one in for Team Shotzi, and. Io Shirai grabbed a ladder from under the ring and put it into the put it through the cage door, and then Raquel Gonzalez was kind of holding the door, keeping Io Shirai from getting in, which uh, which was actually played into one of the bigger spots of the match. So yeah, no matter how many times Shirai tried to get in, Raquel Gonzalez stopped her from getting in, and yeah, after a while, Candice LeRae was the last one to come in and. Her and EO kind of fought on the outside for a little while. And then before either of them could get into the cage, Indy Hartwell, who was an uh, NXT upstart, came, came in and attacked EO Shirai from behind. So after that happened, 
Candice LeRae had entered the cage and locked it. And then, so Io Shirai couldn't get her way in. Indy Hartwell had left the ringside area. And then all the, so it was essentially like a four on three handicap match. The match hadn't officially begun because all eight members hadn't gotten in the ring yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, while all seven people in the ring were brawling on one in one of the rings, Io Shirai just emerges on top of the cage and just standing there holding a trash can, puts the trash can over her entire body and then jumps off the top of the cage into the other seven wrestlers. <laughs> Holy dude. Okay. That's okay. That's scarier than you might think because you can't see, you don't see when you're going to hit. No, you, was, you can't see when you're going to land like that's absolutely insane, man. Like I, that, Oh, <laughs> yeah. okay. basically it was just like i hope they fucking catch me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a very wise man once said great move don't ever fucking do it again that's, yeah. that's 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 what you know as an agent you know an nxt agent that's what i would be saying to her when you know when she got back to the dressing room look great that was fantastic don't do it again <laughs> <laughs> Wow. But yeah, so the match officially begun after uh, Io Shirai got into the ring. And uh, yeah, from there, it was just like more and more spot fest. Like Ember Moon hit her finishing move, the Eclipse, off the top rope onto Dakota Kai, which into an open chair, which looked absolutely brutal. Props to to Dakota Kai for taking that move. The next craziest move, I think, was when. Shotzi Blackheart had hit a senton bomb off of a ladder onto Candice LeRae, which, as far as I'm hearing right now, may have broken Candice LeRae's arm because her arm was trapped under a chair when they, when she took that bump. So the, the chair may have actually fractured her arm or, or possibly even broken it clean because... Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it did they not still look- haven't announced... They still haven't announced it yet, so... Apparently well, they haven't got the extras back. Well, I'm hoping the best for Candice because she's kind of in the middle of like a pretty big heel push right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's unfortunate. But uh, the ending of the match came when Raquel Gonzalez was propped between both rings. Like on also, the ro- you forgot before you go on to that spot. What about Dakota Kai's double stomp onto Io Shirai, who was in a trash can? Oh, yeah. yeah, she hit like a, a double stomp off the top rope onto Io Shirai while Io Shirai had the trash can on top of her, or o- over her body. So, yeah, that... kind of was funny watching her trying to pull Io out because the trash can was so compact on her, so she was stuck. So she's yeah. like, God damn it, this is like trying to pull <laughs> you yeah. tell You could tell, like, they were, maybe they were trying not to laugh during that because it was kind yeah. of funny. Yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, okay, but yeah, that was that was actually another one of the most br- or more brutal spots of the entire match. But uh, somewhere along the way, the yeah, the ladder that they had in the ring got uh, propped between the the ropes or propped on the ropes in between the two rings. Raquel Gonzalez was sitting on on the ropes that like between the two rings too. And Io Shirai tried to hit her with a Hurricane Rana, but Raquel Gonzalez caught her in it and then ended up powerbombing her right through the ladder. And 
Yeah, right through the ladder onto that, that steel platform that connected the two rings together. And that looked pretty brutal, I gotta say. And then, yeah, after that, uh, Gonzalez had pinned Io Shirai and got the win for her team. And, oh, and yeah. yeah, so Raquel Gonzalez, who was thought of nothing more as a bodyguard or an insurance policy for Dakota Guy at this point, pinned the NXT Women's Champion. Well, maybe they're going somewhere with that. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm thinking too, because I've heard some people complain online that they're like, "Oh, well, it looks it looks bad for Io Shirai being pinned by this lackey," and I was just like, "Well, look at it from the other side of the coin. Maybe they're giving Raquel Gonzalez a push." Push, yeah. And look, and if she was on the main roster, Vince would be like, "She's big. Let's push her. Let's push yeah. her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's give her a push." Yeah, yeah, you know what? That, okay, yeah, but see, Big Bubba Rogers, the big boss man. Okay, he started off, you know, as Cornette's bodyguard and all that. And then as this young kid, you know, as he got better and better, he turned into one hell of a wrestler. And he started off, you know, as the insurance policy and all that. So that could be where they're going with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. For sure, for sure. Okay, with this though, okay, like like you said, this was the first match, and they have these big spots, and it's an all star affair, and all that. How, like, how wise in terms of booking is this? Like, I understand, like the men's and the men's war games match is going to go on last. Okay, fine, mm. but like to start off like this because now. You're going to have how many matches in between the next in in between the men's? Like all of those matches are have they been now been reduced to to pee breaks and beer breaks now and all that before you know like how do you, how how do you follow this up like that's the thing about NXT man it's like NXT always like seems to deliver on a, on a lot of on a lot of bases it doesn't really this is like one match tries to one up the other but. Uh, Okay. Like the the other matches in between, I didn't like. I wouldn't say were like five stars, but they were at least like entertaining at, okay. at best. Yeah, like the following this was the a one on one, just like a grudge match between Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher, which huh. yeah really felt like more like an MMA fight at the beginning than than anything else. I I thought. Because like well, Timothy Thatcher is like an old uh, MMA fighter, but having Tommaso Champ in the ring, it, it, like it was essentially just like a, a grudge match or a brawl, a blood feud, whatever you want to call it. Either way, I thought it, like the like the first half of the match was yeah, it pretty much was just like them trying to go after each other's weak spots, and everybody and the commentators kept talking about Tommaso Champa's surgically repaired neck, which yeah, obviously they have to bring that up. Mm-hmm. And like Thatcher was like no- noticeably going after Tommaso's neck uh, more than a few times. And like yeah, I-, I was pretty. This was like I think the only match on the card that I couldn't really pinpoint who was going to win, or the or the one that I couldn't like really come up with a prediction as to who was going to win because I thought it could have gone either way. Yeah, I-, I was pretty entertained by it. What did you think, Ducky? It was good. It was probably one of the most, the probably the most stiff match of the night. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That uh, that one spot that Thatcher took that actually like cut open his ear. I'm pretty sure that wasn't. Uh, oh, that was a legit like 
fucking knee to the side of the head. That's what that was. Yeah, that wasn't a blade job. That was definitely nope. hard. yeah hard way. Yeah, it was definitely the hard way. Hard way. Hard like way. Knee and it caught him. <laughs> yeah, but that's, uh, a, that's that's a good band name. Hard way. Mm-hmm. Hard way. <laughs> Isn't there a band called Hard Way? I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure there is, but I've never encountered one. But uh, yeah, they went back and forth for quite a while, and then uh, Champa got Thatcher tied up in the ropes and hit some strikes and locked in a choke, and then hit uh, a move called the Widow's Bell for the pin, which is like a think, uh, think Randy Orton's DDT, but way more brutal. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like dropped him, he, or Tommaso Ciampa dropped Thatcher right on his neck, which I thought was a, a little like semi poetic, considering that uh, Thatcher had gone after Ciampa's neck the entire match. So he decided to kind of return the favor and going after his. And then uh, it was kind of a slow, or Ciampa was a little bit a bit slow getting to the pinfall, but yeah, eventually he crawled, he covered him and got the one, two, three. So I guess. I don't know if that this uh, feud's going to go anywhere after this, but I've heard a lot of people state or state that they wouldn't mind seeing uh, Champa and Thatcher team up after this, being that both of them aren't really either clear cut heels or faces. Right, right. Is Thatcher is to the best of your knowledge is he a second generation wrestler? I'm not sure. Okay, like there's no. Like he, they've never said like he's the son of the great Les Thatcher from yesteryear. I don't recall. No, I, okay. I, I, all right. No, that. just just in case you knew, I was like I I don't know either, and that just made me think. Oh, I wonder. I wonder. I'm gonna have to look into that. Okay, cool. I'll look into it right now. Hang on. Oh okay. yeah, yeah Mr. <laughs> Inspector Gadget over here has got his phone in his hand. <laughs> every, We're all on the internet. Every, every so. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what I'm using to record. Come on, calm down. <laughs> yeah, me too. Mm. Uh, no, fair enough. Fair enough. It's actually yeah. a good thing this time. Yep. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Okay. With with the ladies. Okay. What is there? Speaking the hard the hard way and all that. Like, is there any blood with the ladies in a, in a war games match? I didn't see any. In this match, I don't think, but the fact that Candice LeRae got her arm potentially broken is <laughs> speaks volumes about. Oh, definitely, definitely. And even oh, like the, yeah. the bumps that uh, the bumps that Dakota Kai and uh, Io Shirai took too is like you got to give them props for <laughs> for putting their bodies through what they went through. Mm, for sure. Yeah, like, <laughs> but no, I didn't see any blood. Okay, no, I was just, I was just kind of curious because not, not that I want to see like, you know, if I want to see a woman covered in blood, well, you just turn on any horror movie and all that. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily need to see it in my wrestling and all that. But I just with with the war games, okay, like the war games that I remember in the old N- NWA days, like everyone was busted open, you know, like yeah. it was it was almost a given. His last name isn't actually Thatcher, so no. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, thank you. Right, cool. Well, that answers that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What's it, what's oh no, it, what's kayfabe! It? Shit! I mean, yes, that's his last name. <laughs> Dude, kayfabe. Sure. We'll, we'll cut that out. We'll cut. We'll, cut. <laughs> we'll just edit that out. There we are. Right on. So, what was up next? Uh, up next was a strap match between Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes. Oh. Now it wasn't. I was wondering going in if it was going to be traditional strap match rules of dragging your opponent to all four corners. Or who was just going to be pinfall or submission? It turned out to be the latter, which I was a little bit disappointed by, because I like seeing a strap match where you got to drag your guy, the guy to all four corners. Like mm-hmm. that adds a certain like uh, anticipation to the match. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all this one was yeah, it was just like Loomis and Grimes were yeah tied together with a leather strap and they just wailed on each other. <laughs> that's all it was. There weren't zombies <laughs> involved this time. Oh yeah, that's true. That was zombies, time. and this time, what what are we talking about here? Holy shit! The the Halloween show, they had a Halloween Havoc. They had like a cinematic match in a house, and okay. Dexter Loomis was controlling zombies to chase them. Huh. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of dumb too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that well, was Halloween. I mean, the zombie makeup was at least good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, this was kind of like the blow-off to their feud that had been kind of happening for quite a while. Yeah, well, that makes sense. That's what these yeah. type of matches, these brutal matches, cage, cage matches and, you know, cow bull, bull rope matches and, you know, barbed wire matches. That's what these are for. So that's good. Right on. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the match started with or Dexter Loomis came out first and then Cameron Grimes came out after that. And Cameron Grimes was already wearing, like, his own strap that he had brought to the ring. And I had thought that this was going to play into the finish of the match, but it didn't. So I thought that was kind of weird because the the referee had, like, a strap in a, in a bag that he was trying to get uh, Cameron Grimes to put on. And Cameron Grimes was already like, no, it's this strap or no strap. <laughs> And I was just like, uh, and then, yeah, the referee turns towards uh, Dexter Loomis and says, do you have a problem with this strap? And, of course, Dexter Loomis just stares at the referee and says nothing. <laughs> and, and then the referee goes, I don't think he has a problem with that strap. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, before before they can get the other end of the strap uh, that Cameron Grimes had on, onto uh, Dexter Loomis, Grimes had jumped Loomis. So the match hasn't even officially begun yet, so he's just a they're brawling on the outside, and then they're throwing each other into the barricades and the the chain link that's over top of the plexiglass on the outside. So, like, I was like, as I was sitting there watching this, they were just wailing on each other outside, and I was like, "Is this match even started yet?" And I was like, mm. <laughs> "I don't think so." And yeah, eventually they got back in the ring uh, when uh, Loomis got the upper hand on Grimes, puts a. Uh, puts his end of the strap onto his wrist and yeah <laughs> then the match begins but, <laughs> so, yeah like three or four minutes of just like hey guys what are you doing yeah we're just shit kicking each other <laughs> yeah for sure but yeah this this match went on for a lot longer than i thought it was going to but that being said i didn't hate it for for oh, what it was goodness. yeah okay but aside from the actual stipulation or the or like the stipulation of the match being different from your traditional strap match, yeah, I was entertained by it. But yeah, the the ending came when uh, Loomis got uh, Grimes. He got his legs 
uh, tied up in the strap. And actually used that to, uh, like the, the remaining length of the strap to put him in his uh, submission hold, which is pretty sure it's just an anaconda vice, but he calls it silence. So he, right. he tried to get that locked in a couple of different times, but unsuccessfully. But yeah, like I said, after Grimes had spun around enough times and got himself tangled up in the strap, the finish came when Loomis actually got him into the submission hold and like actually had the strap like to, or yeah, <laughs> Grimes tried to get the his end of the strap off of his wrist, but then Loomis like wrapped wrapped it around his eyes, which forced uh, Grimes to tap out. Ah. So I guess like even though it wasn't a traditional strap match stipulation, the the ending was still. I, I like how they utilized the strap to go with the the actual finish of the match, mm-hmm. just, as opposed to just whipping each other with it and then going for a pinfall. Right, right. And they right. actually made up with it. I'm hearing like a lot of good stuff like about this Cameron Grimes. Is he ready to go up to the main roster? I like to think that all my favorite NXT guys are ready to go up to the main roster, but at the same time, I'm afraid of them going up to the main roster. <laughs> yeah, it's because Vince will ruin them. That's why. Yeah. Like, look what happened to Aleister Black. Like, how do you fuck that up? Right. <laughs> he wants to go back right. to NXT, and Vince is like, nah. Yeah. All right, right. Like, but, is that even a thing with NXT wrestlers now, like, to get to the main roster? Or are they like... Well, I kind of like it here. Yeah, I don't think they aspire to really get there after like the past eight years of only the Shield and Drew McIntyre being the the only NXT call ups that have actually done anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess Keith Lee could still potentially do something, mm-hmm. but Owens was the champ, and then they buried him with Goldberg in thirty seconds. Yeah, that's true. But like. Yeah, Owens hasn't been a champion since he turned babyface and got a little more serious. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sucks, but yeah, he was always yeah. Owens was always the cowardly heel when he was a champion. Yeah, I totally forgot he was even in NXT. Yeah, yeah, he was NXT and then, champion. And then they had the saddest moment in WWE history where they broke up the friendship of him and Jericho. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yes. <laughs> okay, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Why is Festival of Sadness? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, yeah, again, like thinking about how that was originally supposed to be, or that feud was originally going to be uh, Owens versus uh, Jericho at WrestleMania for the Universal title, but then they just squashed Owens with uh, Goldberg, and then that turned into Goldberg versus Brock for the Universal title at WrestleMania. Uh, Which one would you rather see? I don't know. Yeah, it's, but that's what happens. Goldberg comes back, gets a ratings bump, get the title put on him, and then, yeah, well, we all know how that ends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. A very annoyed Snowy, that's how that ends. A very annoyed everybody. It ends with a shitty match with Undertaker at Super Showdown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or it ends with a shitty, like, five-minute WrestleMania match, one against Brock Lesnar and the other one against Braun Strowman. <laughs> power slam, power yeah. slam, power slam. F- finishing move matches, essentially. Yep. Even oh, yeah. though that's what's up next. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, up next was. Well, actually, to answer your question from before, yes, I think Cameron Grimes can be a star. He's, okay. Uh, yeah. He's he's got a good look, and he's like, I think he's good on the mic. Like his whole like 
this whole straight to the moon, baby. That whole thing. I think that that could work. Uh, that sounds like a T-shirt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's a North Carolina boy. He He's worked with the Hardy Boys before. And yeah, I, I, I think he could do good, but it all depends on how Vince and uh, and Brother Love want to push him or book him. So, right, right, yeah. Again, it's in their hands, but so far, Triple H is doing great with him. I think he he's good at playing the cowardly heel, but at the same time, he he knows how to go on the offense, which right. I think is important. Yeah, right on. Yeah, so I've heard nothing but good stuff. Yeah, he's got a wicked finishing move, and also same with Dexter Loomis. Like I, I personally would love to see Dexter Loomis in a feud with Bray Wyatt, because <laughs> like not necessarily the Fiend, but just like even like like Mister Rogers, like Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt, I think would be a cool. Would be well, yeah, because they're both you know like the kind of similar gimmicks, but not bang on similar, and you know like. Fire versus fire. Yeah, well, I, I could just imagine like uh, Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt like trying to do promo work with Dexter Loomis. Dexter Loomis is just staring at him and like Bray Wyatt just be like, boy, you sure don't like to talk very much, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, Dexter's gimmick now is like when he was Samuel Shaw on TNA, but turned up way more. Oh yeah, right. That, that's yeah, kind of what I was thinking. For the life of me, this whole conversation. Thank you, Ducky. I was like, "What the fuck was his name in TNA?" Like, ah, what the hell was it? What the hell was it? Thank you. Yeah, Samuel Shaw. No, did Samuel? Shaw, I'm not familiar with when he was in Impact, but uh, did he have the mustache when he was in Impact? I not, don't. Not think really. So. No, no. Start of one. I, I, but, I can't. I can't. I can't decide whether that mustache adds to the the creepiness factor of him, or right. like if or if it's just his eyes. I don't know. Like, oh, he was very creepy. He was creeping on Christy Hemi. Yeah, you know, and he like, was kidnapping girls in TNA. Oh yeah, <laughs> this, oh yeah. Okay, <laughs> this is he was. Yeah, like you, the like when they changed his name to Dexter. Okay, for for NXT, it's like, yeah, I could see, you know, Vince doing that. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. Triple H or whoever. Yeah, was because that's like, who he was modeled after the Dexter TV series. Like, I can't remember Dexter's last name now what? on the TV show. Morgan. Right, right, right. Right. He was like, they they modeled that after him. Like, that's the first thing I saw. I'm assuming I'm assuming the Loomis I'm assuming the Loomis name comes from Samuel Loomis from the Halloween movies from the Halloweens. Oh, I, I'll bet the rent on it. Mm-hmm. And I can't even criticize that because I would come up with that name. You know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if, if his name was Samuel Shaw in TNA, having Samuel Loomis, you know, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I would do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but yeah. Well, you, you got to have some sort of connection, I think. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> so, the, so the fans will be like, "Hey, I know that guy." But uh, yeah, well, I guess we'll see where. Now that this feud's over, I guess we'll see where either guy goes. It's uh, hard to say at the moment, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where either guy goes because I think both guys have potential star power. But yeah, up next was uh, the only title match of the night. 
surprisingly, because yeah, Finn Balor was out with uh, with an injury, and Io Shirai, the women's champion, was in the War Games match, and well, the tag team champions were in the other War Games match. So yeah, this left to a and the cruiserweight title wasn't even on the line. Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so this left only one title, the North American title being on the line in a triple threat match. It was uh, Johnny Gargano versus Leon Ruff, who was kind of like an upstart who had won the title on a fluke a couple weeks prior. I think it was on the Halloween Havoc episode. Or no, it was the couple weeks after uh, the Halloween Havoc episode. Okay. Yeah. And uh, Damian Priest, who, yeah, the, for- the former Punishment Martinez in uh, Ring of Honor. Right, right. That's another name that I'm hearing is um, probably one of the best things like on the NXT roster is Damian Priest. Yeah, he definitely has star power. Like he's good on the he's he's good on the mic. He's got that deep brooding voice, and he's got the look, and he's big, and he's agile. Like, and he's got a very good crossroads. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> that too, but. Uh, yeah, this uh, this whole match kind of centered around how like Leon Ruff had been kind of like viewed as like a joke by Gargano. Like Gargano like called him out. It's like saying your win was a fluke because or because uh, Damian Priest had uh, distracted Gargano in in their match, which led to Leon Ruff actually winning the title. But the yeah like. Damian Priest kind of treats Leon Ruff as like not really a threat, like saying, "Oh, I don't really want to hurt you, or I don't want to fight you, or all or any of that stuff." But it led to like a couple of like good, like there was a one spot where like both Leon Ruff and uh, Gargano were teaming up on Priest, being that they were the two smaller guys, and then Gargano would be like, "Okay, now like like get him, get him here," and then get, like and then they would get him out of out of the ring, and then and then. Uh, Gargano would tell Leon Ruff, "Okay, now now do a suicide dive on him," and then Leon Ruff would go to do the suicide dive, and then Johnny Gargano would take him out with that springboard uh, spear thing that he does through the ropes. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know how triple threat matches are like guys team up and then they break up mm-hmm. <laughs> like immediately. But uh, well, it's storytelling. Yeah, exactly. But the the match got to the outside, and then. Leon Ruff tried to attack Damian Priest, and then Damian Priest turned around and gave him the razor's edge through the barricade, Ooh. which knocked him knocked him like clean out. And actually, it was kind of funny because like some of the people that were in the crowd ended up backing up into another barricade, and the other barricade knocked down by accident, <laughs> which I thought actually looked pretty funny. Yeah, that one lady was like just fell on her ass and knocked the other barricade over. It was hilarious. Yeah, and then she was like, you couldn't see her face, but you could see it by the look in her eyes. Like, you couldn't see her face because she was wearing a mask, but like, uh, like she was like looking around. You could see it by the look in her eyes after the other wall had fallen down. She was like, oh, shit, am I fired? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so Leon Ruff got carried to the back, and it was uh, just like a one-on-one between Gargano and Priest for a little while. And, but yeah, as, as we, or as I expected, Gargant or uh, Leon Ruff had come back at one point, and then at some at, uh, towards the end of the match, those ghost face killers, like the the, the killers from Scream, I guess, right, dressed up like the killers from Scream, just showed up on ringside as they had been in favor of Gargano for for weeks now, and like nobody really knew who they were. 
And this is that big reveal I was talking about at the at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so the the Ghostface killers are trying to attack Damian Priest or distract him and like get him uh, like to lose the match, but he ends up taking out all of them. Like he literally like does like suicide dives and all that shit. Like more suicide dives than a guy Damian Priest size should do, in my opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah, but he still takes them all out. And then uh, at one point, like Damian Priest is on the outside of the ring and Leon Ruff like, hits a splash on Gargano, who's like laid out in the ring. And you think that's going to be the finish, but then Gargano ends up breaking it. Or sorry, uh, Priest ends up coming in and breaking it up. And then, yeah, one final ghost face killer comes in and lays out, uh, lays out a Priest with a lead pipe. And then Gargano hits that... Uh, I think he called, what does he call it? The final, or the, the final beat DDT where he like springboards from the apron into the ring and hits the DDT. Yeah. I can't remember what he calls it. I, th- I think it's called the final beat, but either way, he hits that on Leon Ruff, gets the one, two, three, and he's now the three time North American champion. Mm-hmm. So they're, okay. kind of hot, they're, they're, they're kind of hot potatoing the North American title. I've noticed Because like ever since Keith Lee, relinquished it and then they had the ladder match at TakeOver 30 Damian Priest won it and then Gargano won it not long after that at Halloween Havoc a couple weeks later Leon Ruff wins it and then Leon Ruff drops it back to Gargano a couple weeks after that so I've never been a fan of hot potatoing not at all no no not at all it, it devalues it if you if yeah. you do it too much mm-hmm. and it kind of worries me that they're doing this in NXT now like you know <laughs> but yeah but then the big reveal was that the the uh ghost face killer that with the lead pipe ended up being austin theory making his return and sure enough when he when he revealed that it was him he actually said the line it was me austin it was me all along <laughs> good i'm glad this happened because it's going to a little later on on this episode it's going to take us yeah. Into our turnbuckle talk, so excellent. A little foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> excellent, excellent. I thought I thought it was kind of corny that he said that, and I was just yeah. like, <laughs> but they probably asked him to say that to be like, make, make dad laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That'll shut the old man up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it was me, Austin. <laughs> All along, <laughs> but yeah. So after that, we got our main event. The, the men, yeah, the the men's war games match, which the advantage in this match went to the heel team, which was Pat McAfee's team. It was Pat McAfee who uh, who was only this was only his second ever wrestling match. He's been a commentator for NXT, and he's the the guy that got in a, uh, a little dispute with uh, Adam Cole on a on a podcast. Right, which as it turns out, that was all work. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah I think that, thing for only two weeks of wrestling training he's had, he has picked it up like that. Yeah, he's he's he knows how to do a couple of good moves, but he didn't really do anything like, like he wasn't like he's not like consistently wrestling, I don't think. No. But like for being only his second match and him doing like two big spots that he did in this match, he he's doing all right. Like <laughs> for his about, promo works good. Oh, his <laughs> promo work is amazing. Like that that that's his biggest thing and like 
considering that he was just a kicker for the Indianapolis Colts not too long ago, that's like, that's saying a lot. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but, you know how the you, sorry, and you, you know how the WWE has these gimmick battle royals at WrestleMania and all that. Oh yeah. Yep. Well, they, they 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 have to have a battle royal with McAfee. They got to bring Lawrence Taylor back. Yeah, all Just, the old, uh, yeah, yeah, like like these these people that you know, um, David Arquette. Bring Vince Russo back, like for this, like all of these people that they brought in for these small runs that annoy that annoy the piss out of everyone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> bring them back for a gimmick battle royal. You know. Like, like, can't have Andy Kaufman, unfortunately. You know that would have been the icing on the cake. Yeah, we'll have like sports celebrities, yeah, former sports celebrities that were in wrestling matches. Yeah, yeah, like or just celebrities. Is 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 It's like one of the old writers there for a while. Prince uh, Freddie Prince Jr. was a writer for a bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Bring him back. Yeah, why don't you bring him and throw him in the battle royal and all that? Like he was a uh, he hosted an episode of Raw for a little while, I think. Oh for, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, yeah. when oh, they were do, when they were doing I'm the host. I'm gonna plug the New Day's podcast for a second because there is an episode where they talk to him the whole time, and it's really good. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I would listen to. Right, yeah, they yeah they actually I will find it. <laughs> the celebrity guest star battle royal at WrestleMania. There we are. Well, I'm like yeah, we'll have Kid Rock and Snoop Dogg in there too. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't put it out there in the universe, man. Well, hey, man, because Stop does to be Hall of Famer. So, <laughs> <laughs> so is Donald Trump. Put Donald Trump in there too. Fucking why not? Fuck. <laughs> don't and then he'll lose. He'll get eliminated. This is fake news. No, that, yeah. <laughs> that's right. This I really wasn't eliminated. This <laughs> this battle royal is rigged. Yeah. Oh, why do we think of this shit? Oh, oh it's fun. It is. It is <laughs> definitely, definitely. So I figured there was a main event now. All right. So the main event for War Games was the second War Games match, the men's War Games match, which is the undisputed era, as they are in every War Games match in the past. Four years now <laughs> in NXT. Yeah, it's, it's kind of become like an in-joke about like like who's going to face the Undisputed Era at War Games this year. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the but the Undisputed Era now the babyface team, which for the first time, <laughs> they, they're using mm-hmm. the heel, but the entire stable was quietly turned babyface over the past, I'd say six months. But I guess it kind of started with... Uh, McAfee's uh, feud with Adam Cole <laughs> that they had a match at TakeOver 31, I think. Right. Yeah, which was McAfee's first match. And then, so it was, t- yeah, Team Undisputed Era versus Team McAfee, which was Pat McAfee himself, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Birch, who were the tag team champions, and Pete Dunne. And I feel I have to point out, Pete Dunne was kind of just thrown into this thing last minute. Because before Ridge Holland had had his leg broken, he was originally supposed to be the fourth member of Team Mac. I still hear that sound. Oh, yeah. It sounded like my knee. (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be out for quite a while. (laughs) But, uh, 
Yeah, he was originally supposed to be the, the fourth member of Team McAfee, but yeah, they ended up throwing Pete Dunn in there and turning him heel at the last minute. But yeah, that being said, having Pete Dunn in this match, I think benefited it quite a bit. And uh, yeah, the, it started off actually with Pete Dunn. Uh, the first two, the first two guys in the match, it was Pete Dunn and Kyle O'Reilly, which that as a one-on-one match <laughs> can't be can't be seen as anything shitty. Yeah, like uh, I love how Kyle O'Reilly is kind of being pushed to sort of as a singles guy. Is mm-hmm. like, yeah, because he like obviously he has the talent. If anybody has ever seen his work in Ring of Honor, like they know he's got the oh, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and he's a Canadian boy, so can't really can't really hate on him. Bonus points, bonus points for sure, man. But yeah, started off with O'Reilly and Pete Dunn, and uh, yeah, they started off the match with some basic grappling, as both of them are pretty good at. And then, of course, Dunn went right to work on the digits, doing that joint manipulation thing where he like tries to like separate the fingers. I don't know if you're familiar with that, Snowy, but he does. No, no, well, Ducky, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the joint manipulation, how he like grabs like two fingers and tries to like separate them, and it's like, uh, it's just, it's so crazy. <laughs> like yeah. it's all the 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 Star Trek thing. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know yeah. that. Yeah, and for yeah, that. he basically okay. does that and bends them farther. Oh, okay. Yeah, he calls it joint manipulation, and it's just like it's cringy, but not in like the it's bad sense, but more like in the I don't want like I can just feel that sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You just like you look at it, and you're just like, ah. <laughs> yeah, they fought for a little, or for well, the first five minutes, and then Oni Lorkin was the next man in, and it like every time somebody from Team McAfee got uh, got to come in, McAfee looked like he was gonna be the next man in, but but the other guy would be like, no, 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 let me go, and McAfee would be like, okay, okay. So it was like typical heel fashion from McAfee acting like he's gonna be the tough guy, but then being like, oh, okay, I'll just stay back here. And not do anything. But, uh, yeah, so uh, Oni Lorkin was the next guy in, so it was an advantage for Team McAfee. Lorkin and uh, Dunn against uh, O'Reilly. O'Reilly fought off Lorkin briefly, but uh, then Dunn took <laughs> took uh, O'Reilly out with a clothesline. Dunn and Lorkin tied up O'Reilly and chopped him pretty bad. Like, yeah, just, like, giving him chest chops. So <laughs> props to O'Reilly for taking those, because those... Those never sound like they're a good time, you know? <laughs> no, no, probably not. No, no but, uh, but yeah, O'Reilly eventually escaped and hit the dragon screws on the or on the ropes on both uh, uh, Dunn and Lorkin. And then uh, the clock ran out, uh, and then Bobby Fish came down. Bobby Fish, like, obviously him and, oh, him and uh, O'Reilly are, like, tag team partners, so it was... <laughs> like them kind of teaming up again for the first time in a while, I should actually point out. Because okay. like, like I like I said, they've been kind of pushing O'Reilly as like a singles guy for a little bit since he got his uh he got his uh NXT title match against Balor at the last takeover. Yeah, the first time we've seen them team up in a while, and uh it was it was nice to see. And then Danny Birch was the next guy in for team uh team McAfee, and Birch brought in a pair of cricket bats. Oh, there we <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, since Danny Birch is a British guy, brings in the cricket bats as opposed to the baseball bats, which we're all kind of used to seeing in in wrestling. But yeah, the, seeing cricket bats, I was just like, oh my god, this is going to hurt so goddamn much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make some sounds. 
Yeah, they do, but uh, I don't think anybody actually took any like legitimate shots from them. I think like it was just like avoiding. Right. Well, Kyle O'Reilly uh, took one to the back. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's in my notes. Yeah, Dunn broke it up. Yeah, Birch whacked Kyle O'Reilly with the bat, and that looked like it sucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could tell he was lying there, like fuck. <laughs> 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 Pillow and blanket. Yeah. Leave me here. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the heels were uh, taking out uh, Red Dragon, which was their tag team name back in Ring of Honor, if those <laughs> those of you didn't know. Right. Yeah, then Roderick Strong was the next man in for Team Undisputed Era. Uh, Strong went nuts when he first got in, hitting slams, backbreakers on all three heels. He just went to town on all of them, and it was awesome. I love Roderick Strong. He's such yeah, a... Yeah, me too. I've yeah, yeah like, with sorry, I I'm mostly familiar with Strong's work in Ring of Honor. Yeah, and all that. And yeah. I imagine he's just as good now. Yeah, well, and NXT is like it's you know, it's kind of similar to Ring of Honor, except like a bigger platform, I guess. Like the the wrestling quality is still there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Strong uh, Strong had done Lorcan and Birch between the rings and ran ran down all three. But uh, Strong was thrown into the cage to cut him off, and the the heel then took control once again. Uh, each of the three paired up with someone and went to work on on all of them. Pat McAfee was the last man in for his team. Mac, then when McAfee got down to the ring, he pulled tables out from under the ring. Each of the tables had another name of the member of the Undisputed Era written on them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The thing with that, which me and dad were laughing at when he was doing that, is how hard is it to put a table through a door? He was having so much trouble. Well, like the the, the spot went on for like so long. I was just like, pulls he pulls one out, it's like says O'Reilly on it. Then he pulls another one. I was like, Bobby Fish, he's like looking at Adam Cole the entire time while saying this, and I'm just like. And by the time he's done loading these tables in, like Adam Cole's clock is gonna run out, and he's gonna fucking get into the match, like. But yeah, like he's just, but it's like he's like Bobby Fish, and then it takes him like two minutes to get it through the door, and it's like, oh my god, dude! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty entertaining. But uh, yeah, eventually he got to the Adam Cole table and looked, at, stared him down. They showed Adam Cole. Adam Cole obviously looked pissed off, as <laughs> as as you do, you know, mm-hmm. being taunted, but. Uh, yeah, Strong got put uh, on his table, or yeah, Roderick Strong got put through his table by the by the guys, and then Pat McAfee actually hit a pretty fucking awesome looking moonsault <laughs> onto Roderick Strong through that table. A moonsault in the war games, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the benefits of not having a roof. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like yeah, the rest of the team McAfee beat down Roderick Strong, put him on his table that had his name on it. Yeah, McAfee hit a moonsault, and then pretty much right after that, Adam Cole the got into the match. Cole went under the ring, got a fire extinguisher, and sprayed everybody with the fire extinguisher just so he could get into the cage. Ah, okay. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of creative. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like how else? Like with with all that, with every member of uh, Team McAfee just guarding the door, he's just like. All right, not gonna fuck around with this. <laughs> Whipped up the fire extinguisher and yeah, sprayed them all and yeah, uh, Cole yeah, and then Cole went wild hitting everyone with different moves. McAfee goaded Cole to fight him, but Dunn got 
got to Cole first. So Dunn and uh, Dunn and Cole went at it for a little while, and Dunn went for the bitter end, but Cole hit a huge DDT reversing it. Uh, and McAfee grabbed Cole, and Dunn laid him out. O'Reilly hit Dunn with a chair, and uh, then kind of got in McAfee's face and started talking trash to him, which I thought was fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like telling him that he doesn't belong here and that he's it was pretty epic. I was just like, oh, I was like, please just fucking smack him. Like, the, the whole time, I just wanted O'Reilly just to fucking lay him up. But then, yeah, of course, Lorcan and Birch took out O'Reilly and hit uh, their tag finisher on him for a near fall. Didn't didn't actually get him, though. Yeah, two more tables were set up, and everyone starting to lay each other out. Cole and Dunn were fighting in one ring, and Cole, Cole hit a neckbreaker for a near fall. Birch got... Birch got out on the table, or Birch got on the table with Cole's name on it, and Dunn got power bombed onto him, but the table didn't break. <laughs> like, oh, uh, that's got to be worse. Yeah, I know. Especially worse since WWE has such shitty tables now. Yeah, I know. But then Roderick Strong ended up uh, getting on the top rope and did a. Oh yeah, he did a dive yeah. onto it and then broke the table instead. <laughs> so. Yeah, McAfee and Cole fought to the top until Cole pushed McAfee through the table, which, yeah. So the, the, I think the only member of uh, Undisputed Era that went through his own name, name table was uh, Roderick Strong, now that I think about it. But yeah, McAfee, uh, McAfee was superplexed into the ring. All the wrestlers started brawling amongst each other when McAfee hit a swanton bomb off the top of the cage. And like, no one was- caught him. <laughs> yeah, nobody caught him. He just fucking like, <laughs> this guy is easily the heaviest guy in this match, and he just like free falled all the way from the top of the cage to the canvas, and just like yeah, nobody wow. caught him. Look, that's, nice. that's taking one for the team. Yeah, I got and, one- like, on his podcast this morning. I haven't watched or listened to it yet, but there's videos. He he was like wearing a neck brace and like selling it. I'm like, well, no shit. He's probably sore. He did a flip off a cage and no one caught him. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. It, it looked like everyone just like one armed him. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I, I can't help but feel like a lot of those guys just kind of ribbed him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or, like, <laughs> yeah. All the other seven guys were like, let's see if he can hang. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say, like, half of the NXT roster probably doesn't even want him there. Yeah, exactly. It's like all seven of them were just like, okay, let's see. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, after after that, it was uh, just like all the, all the other wrestlers just hitting spots on each other for like all, a lot of near falls, but then. Uh, they all got broken up by other members. So like, you, like the you thought the finish of the match was coming so many times after that, and you're just like, oh, here it comes. Oh no, it got broken up. Here it comes. Oh, it got broken up. <laughs> and Cole went to hit, went to go hit McAfee with the chair, and it looked like he was actually going to hit him right in the head. And then McAfee low blowed him. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that, in between the two, uh, in between the two rings, Bobby Fish speared Danny Birch right through the last table, which actually had Bobby Fish's name on it. And one of the one of the metal parts of the of the table actually like stuck out after he had speared him through it and like came probably like inches within impaling one of the guys, which actually looked pretty scary. I thought, and I think that actually ended up cutting uh, Bobby Fish's elbow. So that 
just adds to the list of injury <laughs> injury prone injuries that Bobby Fish has on his list of of NXT injuries. But I don't think it's going to put him out. It's just kind of a bit of a cut. Just just blood of blood of flesh wound. Yeah. Blood <laughs> of flesh wound. That's right. That's right. Damn yeah. It. But then uh, after that, uh, Cole hit uh, Pete Dunne, or no, sorry, Cole hit uh, Pat McAfee with the Panama Sunrise, which is actually called the Canadian Destroyer. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Damn WWE, it. Yeah, WWE can call it whatever they want, but that's the Canadian Destroyer, and it was made by Petey Williams. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So he hits him with that, and then McAfee actually kicks out, which I thought was actually surprising because that's like one of Adam Cole's finishing moves. He went to go hit uh, McAfee with the last shot, which is his like knee strike to the back of the head. But then uh, Lorcan ended up sacrificing himself for that. Everyone hit their big moves. Dunn hit Cole with a fucking bitter end on an open chair, which looked absolutely brutal. I think they were planning on planning on the chair, possibly like folding. Yeah, but it didn't. <laughs> no, I sent yeah. you guys that gif in the chat this morning. That looked like it sucked. Yeah, I'm surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised Adam Gold doesn't have a cracked sternum from that. Yeah, he's probably sore as shit today, though. Oh yeah, that's what I was like. Everybody in that match, like they're like with, like when you're feeling the adrenaline, you're not feeling the pain of all the shit that you just did. But I, I guarantee you, everybody in that match was feeling something this morning. Like he woke up today and he's like, "Oh, my ribs." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just like the mosh pit the night before. Yeah, don't feel it then, but yeah, uh, at my age, and I hit the pit when I when I wake up the next day, it's like, oh yeah, that's right, I so, did that. Which means when shows come back, you know, I'm coming out of mosh retirement, right? So you got a mosh for me, motherfucker. Oh, okay, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good. I need a pit after like this long without a show. Oh yeah, for sure. I hear <laughs> you, man. So we got I did a, get yeah. a replacement. I did get it. My sister found me an extra knee base brace for free. So when we go to Montreal next year, I'm taking it and I'm moshing it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Sounds we all got to we all got to work out to keep up with Dustin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. But anyway, yeah. After that, uh, after that bitter end on the chair, which I thought was just like the worst possible thing I've ever seen in wrestling this year, aside from Matt Hardy's fall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, Strong hit the Strong Breaker on Dunn. Uh, O'Reilly and Fish hit Lorcan with the high-low, which is their tag team finisher. Then O'Reilly then hit a knee drop onto a chair onto Lorcan's face to finish the match. <sighs> yeah. And yeah, Undisputed Era stands tall as the winners of War Games. Oh, okay, okay. As Did this... Baby for the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah, which... Which I'm glad for. I'm glad for, like, as as a like as to to put the amateur booker on. It was probably best to bring, you know, McAfee in as I believe they brought him in, like as the baby face and slowly turned him right. I believe so. Yeah. Like, but then, is that yeah, how they did it? I'm pretty sure because, like, undisputed era were still heels. McAfee had uh, Cole on his podcast, and then Cole flipped out on him. And then they had their match at TakeOver 31, which I think kind of quietly turned Adam Cole face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because McAfee was kind of acting like the asshole heel. And then as a result, turned everybody else in, in the Undisputed Era babyface. But yeah, okay. I, I, th- I thought it was 
an awesome, awesome way to turn the, the Undisputed Era into baby faces, which everybody already liked them anyway. So mm-hmm. why, the, why the fuck not? But yeah, that was that was the end of War Games 2020. Right on, right on. So what do you guys say? Horns up, horns down, horns in the middle? Horns way up for me, man. Right on. Well, so, what about you, dude? <laughs> up. Right on. Right on, right on. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is this is why I the only reason really I need the network is for to NXT. get in the, is for some NXT. Yeah, like the majority yeah. of the stuff that the WWF puts on. Yeah. I really don't need it because I got so much great stuff on YouTube. Okay. And I have so much great stuff on independent wrestling TV. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. I could see myself shelling out for independent wrestling TV before I Do ended it. up buying the network. Do it. Do for it. sure, for sure. But as I said, there Over is so much. promotions. Do it. <laughs> there is so much awesome stuff on YouTube, including this past weekend. We sat down and we enjoyed a, enjoyed a special card from Game Changer Wrestling called Slime Season. I didn't actually watch this show, so I'm just going to let you guys talk about this one. Oh, okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. You kind of made, you, I honestly, at first I was kind of like, okay, I don't know about this. But as I got further into the card, it's like I kind of, I kind of, I'm digging this. I'm digging this. There's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff on this. Why Slime Season, dude? Do you know why? Like, why? That's weird. For a name. No, I don't know why they named it that. No, like there wasn't any build up or anything. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Now what game changer is, I'm just assuming it's an independent because this is really my first exposure to GCW, I guess. It's one of your what Cornet would call mud show type federations. Although there's a lot of death matches in game changer wrestling, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But from what I saw with this, there wasn't okay. any. There, there, there was none of that. There's none I of that thought, stuff. There's. I sorry? thought during uh, Warner and Kogar, there would at least be some some tubes, but no. Right, right. So that's kind of what really, what I really enjoyed about this particular card, and they brought. I don't know if these names. Okay, that I see from larger federations, more nationally exposed federations. I don't know if they're regulars with with Game Changer or not. If they are, then it's definitely going to be something I'm going to be paying more attention to. I guess this slime season was a fundraiser since, you know, nothing's going on. You know, people aren't Well, this going was to supposed to be their big uh, debut show in Las Vegas. Ah, okay. And then and Vegas got shut down again. Okay. So instead of charging, I think Fight TV was going to charge maybe 20 bucks for the card. Mm-hmm. 15, 20 bucks for people to order online and watch it. And then, well, they couldn't have it. Well, it looked like they had maybe 20 people. But it's like there were supposed to be like maybe 100 or two. And it's like, oh, shit, well... It's shut down now. The building they can't use. Right. So they had to do it for free and have Indiegogo payments to pay the the wrestlers. 
Yeah, they were looking for donations to help to p- help pay the roster. And they and made $15,238. So amazing. That is absolutely amazing. I want to say horns up to everyone that donated and all that. That was that, that was absolutely fantastic. It's stuff like that. You know, like that, that really warms the heart. And you know what? This card definitely deserves um, everything. Uh, first match Jordan Oliver versus Chris Bay. Okay, this, okay, jo- Jordan Oliver from MLW. Chris Bay did his time in Impact recently. So I was really wondering exactly why these guys were jerking the curtain. Well, Oliver's been, he's wrestled on a bunch of GCW shows. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why this match opened the show either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because originally Rich Swan was on this show, but then he got pulled off it. Really? Yeah. Well, that would have been the main event. Like, Probably, like you yeah. would think, you would have, you would think. But with Oliver and Bay, like it's like okay, I this 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 is definitely a match that should have been closer, you know, the maybe the second or third last match on the bill. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of uh, that 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 kind of you know in my notes here, I kind of got listed. Okay, why is this the curtain jerker mm-hmm. and all that? And I believe Bay had one. This one, do you have the results? Uh, I hang on. Yes. Right, right, right. And you know, neither of this, neither of winning or losing on this, really, because just in terms of exposure, these two are so evenly matched. You know, putting one over the other doesn't doesn't hurt the other. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of per- perplexed. Um, Sifa fought two. Okay, versus facade. Okay, now I like there. Are, there are just so many Samoans by now. Like I don't even know any of them anymore. It just seems like every every time you turn on wrestling, there's another Samoan popping up. Um, They're all Sifa- in the fight for the Anawai family, apparently. Yeah, in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> but they there, did there. mention that he was the kid of Rikishi. So he's, he's Rikishi's son. Yes. So he's so he's Jay and Jimmy's brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Um, what do you? This this is the first time me seeing both of these competitors. I think Facade had a good look. What was his? Valet or his manager, his girlfriend's name there. Who was that? Because I, I never, I, I never know. heard it. Because I, I don't think they, I heard it either. But for someone been wrestling for like since you know I watched like Combat Zone wrestling, I've seen him in CZW a bunch before, like in the two thousands. Oh, okay. So he's been around a while. All right, all right, because that's definitely. Someone new with with Sifa Fatu. I was kind of like. Okay, the kid looks like he's got potential. He's definitely got the pedigree. You know, let's let's see uh, let's see. You know how he's going. It's it's going to be a couple years. 
You know what I mean? I think this kid was on the bill for the name. Um, obviously, he is uh, the brother of Jacob Fatu or something? Like- nope. Uh, Jacob Fatu is the son of Tonga Kid. Oh, okay, okay. He so- says Jacob looks way more like Roman. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because the next matchup was Jacob Fatu, the current MLW champion with Contra against Matt Justice, the human embodiment of thrash metal. Okay, you had to have known. Okay, that name was going to catch my attention. Obviously, Just, what I'm listening. <laughs> for sure for sure because i i heard that it's like okay matt justice is a brother you know like he's one of the boys that's both you know a wrestler and a big metalhead so that definitely caught my attention and of course jacob fought too he looked he looks amazing okay like you would think okay with everything going on in the world people aren't active and all that did Fatu lose weight? He lost 0.5 pounds. He got back. He's, yeah, he looks absolutely fantastic. And, you know, I've been watching MLW since it's that that's now returned. But I can't say I noticed until, you know, this card live live with this card. He absolutely looks fantastic. Um, did they break the wall? Okay, because yeah, like, it's, it's <laughs> like 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 you said at at the top, um, it's in a smaller building, kind of boxed in, <laughs> and it looks like Justice threw Fatu into a chair, and the chair went into the wall, and boom, like <laughs> like the wall cracked. <laughs> Oh, that. So it's like, holy geez, these boys are definitely going all out. And it was this match, and I don't recall how many times you saw it, but the clownette doll kind of made its appearance. Mm-hmm. Did you did you see that? How okay? And to what what this is is um, there was a mannequin head, a la head. Al Snow's head, except it was all done up as Jim Cornette in clown makeup. <laughs> it, it was it was the clownette head. Okay, as I have been a big fan of Jim Cornette for literally decades, but I still had to laugh about this. That is especially in- when Joey Janela was like, "Where the fuck did that clownette head come from? <laughs> I'm too hungover for this." <laughs> that's that's absolutely brilliant because. Because Cornette is a big, a big uh, critic of Joey Janela. It's a big, yeah. big critic of this of these mud show, you know, outlaw mud show guys. Out, 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 outlaw mud show. See, I I don't agree with everything Cornette says, so I don't remember all of his little expressions and all that. He's also the one who said he wished G Raver would just bleed out when he almost we just died. bleed out. That was fucking Ugh. brutal. Yeah, that that was not right. That's so, why there's the fuck Jim Cornette shirts now. Oh, it's very, very well deserved. Very well deserved. So, yeah, to, to see the clownette <laughs> head dolls was just ab- ab- absolutely fantastic. And I believe it ended up, did Fatu yeah. won, right? With a Simone drop through a door, yeah. Right, right, right. And I, honestly, sorry? 
Yeah, because he put a door between the second rope and a chair. Mm-hmm. And then he Simone dropped him from the second rope. Right on. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And I'm going to be keeping an eye on this Matt Justice. And it's probably a guy that we should have. He's done on. some... He's done some good deathmatch stuff as well. Okay. Well, get on that, dude. That's that's, that's your territory. His bump he took to the cement looked like it sucked. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) He sat sat Jacob Fat 2 on two chairs on the floor and then ran and went to do a tope con hilo, and Jacob moved. Oh. Oh. We kind of just crushed a chair. Uh-huh. Yeah, it looked like it looked like it sucked a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. It's kind of disappointed I didn't see the MLW belt anywhere. I, he didn't oh. bring it. Yeah, I would think they would have requested that, but that might have been just MLW saying yeah. yeah. Probably MLW saying no. No, no, no. Next up, okay. I'm not big on a lot of foul language. Okay, and I'm going to get into that a little bit later when we wrap this 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 part up. Did they literally call this a clusterfuck match? Yes. Okay, that works. That's awesome. I didn't I didn't just time didn't permit me to check this whole match out. Uh, but I did catch what it was called and it's like, okay, that works. That makes sense. What exactly went on with this clusterfuck match? It was basically a six-man, everyone for themselves, first pinfall or first submission wins. It was Jimmy Lloyd, Eli Everfly, KTB, Matt Vandergriff, Damian Drake, and Nate Webb. Nate Webb's been around since the early 2000s. Okay. Late 90s, maybe? I Don't quote me on that. I don't remember one of those two. He's been wrestling for a while. Okay. And it was it was good. There were some interesting spots. Uh, KTV came out on top in this one. Okay. So. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. Now, Matt, the next match was Matt, Matt's Warner versus Attic, At, Atticus Kogar. Kogar I'm not too familiar with, but obviously Matt's Warner, this, this guy, like I see him on MLW and all that. This is the guy to watch. This guy is entertainment personified. There was a little podcast. There was a podcast a few weeks ago after Nick Gage Invitational, which is a deathmatch tournament for, with GCW, and which Warner won. Mm-hmm. And later on in the day, they did a podcast with like a bunch of them sitting in a ring talking. And uh, I don't remember who was doing it, but he asked everyone in the ring oh what do you have any like special talents or blah 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 and Matt Warner's like uh I mean I bleed a lot <laughs> uh, that's about it and then he passed the microphone to the next guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah he does but the guy cuts a killer promo mm-hmm. as well like this guy really has it all if I was you know, running one of the big leagues or whatever, I would be looking at him very intently and all that because, yeah, he's 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 great on the mic. Yeah, he does a lot of you know a lot of shit show type stuff, but he does look like from what I've seen, 
you know, he does have a good work rate and it's nothing but character as well. <laughs> I would definitely sign him. Apparently he's got his own podcast now as part of the whole Conrad podcast system where um, he's his his podcast is kind of him explaining to non-wrestling fans, you know, some of the more bizarre stuff that wrestling does and all that. So I don't know. It's one of the it's it's kind of like a Patreon podcast. And honestly, I don't pay for podcasts because there's 800 million of them. And I do two of them myself. So the idea of paying yeah. for a podcast <laughs> really doesn't that doesn't entice me. But this how much just, is it? I don't know. I don't know. You just—it's a Patreon. You you pay so much. We'll we'll talk. We'll find out off the air if you're interested. But um, it, that that would be interesting. Just the way because he is such a character. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think that that might be something too interesting. But it ended up like you said. It was Warner in the end. Yeah, because Atticus Kogar won IWA Prince of the Death Match this year. Uh, which is now also on IWTV. Okay. Mance Warner won Game Changer Wrestling's Nick Gage Invitational 5, which isn't on IWTV yet. I hope they put it on there, because I'll watch it if they do for sure. Mm-hmm. So I thought there would be some deathmatch e stuff involved in it. Surprisingly, it was just them throwing doors and chairs at each other, which was cool, and bringing right. more shit. And Mance Warner won this one with a second rope, with a top rope DDT through a door. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, right on. Now, this is, I watched this in two parts. Live Saturday night, I was doing some other stuff. And meanwhile, you're texting me, hey, this shit's on. Come on, guys, you got to check this out. Sorry, I was doing something at first. But then this is kind of when I tuned in live. And caught the. Yeah, you turned in during Kogar and Warner, right? And yeah, yeah. But the first full match I caught was Kikataro versus Alley Cat. <laughs> oh, the comedy matches! I love them. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> and now, okay, I I didn't know who either of these two are. Kikataro is he? He's a is he a legit Japanese wrestler or is he yes. some some Chikara he's guy a, he's or Japanese wrestler? Okay, does he kind of do the comedy spots in Japan, or does yeah, he, he have? He, uh, he like okay. he can full on go, but he they may they mainly put him in comedy stuff. Okay, because that's kind of what they did here, because they brought him out in an intergender match. I don't know if that's what they call it now, but against one alley cat. Okay, and I didn't know anything about these two, and it at first it didn't strike me as it's supposed to be a comedy. So I'm watching this. I'm like, this sucks. Like this, this is this is horrible. Neither of these two have any work rate. <laughs> okay, like and like what what the hell is going on here? It took you to text me saying, "Relax, it's a comedy match." Oh. Okay, with that in mind, all right, I kind of looked at it in different lenses. It wasn't too bad, but I could see, you know, this alley cat. Okay, zero work rate, like nothing, nothing, which I guess kind of one of the reasons why 
they end up in a comedy match. Probably the best thing for her to do, though, because, like, she's not huge, but she's kind of a bigger girl. How how I would book Alley Cat is that insurance policy. Get her out there um, doing something that doesn't expose that the fact that she doesn't have any work rate. And then as she gets better, you know, put that size, give her a work rate, give her a character. The potential might be there. I'm sending you a match right now from two years ago, a Black Label Pro. It was Alley Cat versus Mance Warner in a Mance Warner's Rules match. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, there it is. <laughs> I'll, to, I'll watch that tonight after I've had a few more drinks. Okay, <laughs> which which I've which I've got the Lemmys going in my motorhead mug tonight. Like like I said, I'm turning I'm turning Monday night into Saturday night. I guess Kikitaro ended up with the victory in this, right? As I recall. I believe so, yes. Right, right. Now, the following match was um, the title match. She also the- apparently had a death match with Mance Warner earlier this year in February. Oh, okay. All right. I'm at, run, Ricky, at Run, Ricky, Run. Excuse me as I go on to IWTV and see if it's on there. <laughs> What's Run, Ricky, Run? It was a it was a name of an IC of a GCW show in February. Oh, okay, fair enough. For fair like enough. Paid, so so uh, RSP is the current GCW champion. Yep. Okay, this guy. Oh my god. Okay, this guy's total mud show. Def def definitely. Oh. I saw absolutely no redeeming value. But he does way more now. He does more normal matches than death matches. Okay, well, I certainly hope so. And Juicy was the Juicy Paneu. He's only been wrestling for under a year. Okay, well, that all kind of that explains why that match wasn't that great because <laughs> really... they put RSP. RSP's been wrestling for a what like since again the two thousands, maybe two thousand four. Okay. So putting him in there with someone as green as Juicy Fineo probably wasn't the best idea. I uh, I'm getting that feeling like this RSP dude has been around for a while. Mm-hmm. It's like, geez, uh. but yeah, if you're if you're working with a rook, then yeah, that definitely might be uh, a little challenging. And finally, the oh, main damn. event. It's not on IWTV. Ah, oh well. The main event, okay, Blake Christian, which is, okay, if there was ever an indie name, okay, which would have worked in the indies like 20 years ago even, 30 years ago even, Blake Christian versus Leo Rush. I understand why this was the main event, because this was a hell of a match. You know, they did. They didn't resort resort to anything. You know, in the way of mud show or anything. Both of these guys, you know, had a great work rate. Went went back and forth. Rush has an amazing character now. His entrance, okay, like there was there was a lot of talk of you know an Undertaker style entrance and all that. But 
Honestly, you know, maybe something like that might not work in Impact or NXT or whatever, but this entrance gave Rush the big league feel. Like, you knew, okay, this is why this guy's doing the main event. You know, and it turned out to be a hell of a match. And it ended up exactly the way I would have booked it as well, with Blake Christian going over. Rush losing on this match does not hurt him, and it does all everything for Christian. You know, like there, there, there are too many times, you know, back in the day where a big a big name guy would go to an independent federation, you know, for a one off show. And, you know, he would go from the WWF. And, of course, he has to win that the championship his first night in in the Indies and all that. That does nothing for the Indies except give, you know, a half-decent house that one night and, and does nothing for the Federation and all for that one guy. So Rush putting Blake Christian over, got to give the guy the horns up for that. And Rush is the whole reason they did this match is because Rush faced Blake Christian at a GCW show a few months ago and lost. Oh, okay. So he was getting. They his wanted win to back. like build it like he wanted to get his revenge. Oh, okay. Well, it, however they did it, I really think that they did it the proper way. It it does nothing, does nothing to hurt Rush. The only thing about this it just the order of the card seemed out of place mm-hmm. like to, to have jacob fatu your mlw world champion third match in okay to have jordan oliver and, and chris bay the only guys on you know one of the few guys with any national exposure jerking the curtain it just no 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 but at the end of the day, I still kind of enjoyed the card. Joe, Joey Janela was commentary for this, right? Yep. It was funny hearing him go, I'm way too hungover today. Every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> he, was, he was very entertaining. I just, ah, maybe, maybe this is the old timer in me and all that, but... I don't know. You don't need an f bomb every other word, you know. When well, when Joe Janela, <laughs> oh no, and I yes. and I and I get that. This is really my only criticism. The way I would have done it is like, okay, let 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 him swear a couple times, let him drop a couple f bombs, and then his his broadcasting partner going, oh, Joey, you know, like. I understand this is an indie show and all that, but we do have kids watching. Can you maybe, you know, maybe watch watch the f bombs here and there, and then let him do it a, do a, let him do it a couple more times, and then just kind of have that going back and forth because, yeah, it gives Janela his opportunity to be the goofy guy, but you want to kind of maintain some sort of professionalism. Now, the next time you bring Janela in, okay, you can have him say say stuff like, oh, yeah, the suits at GCW, they, they hit me with a fine for the foul fucking language or something, you know, because that, that works. Okay, I'm all for foul language, like, on a show and all that. 
when when it works, when there's kind of an impact, when it makes an impact, you know, if when when someone goes, holy shit or oh, motherfucker, I can't believe that when something big happens. OK, that's that that's when it when it really works. If you've already done, you know, a couple dozen of them leading up to it, it's like, oh, OK, but that was kind of like my own little rant. And all that, I understand. I understand that's probably what Janela does, you know, on on these indie shows and commentary. Does he do a lot of them? Like, have you seen? Just, just, oh, well, Joey's worked for GCW for like a while now. Okay, so he does a lot of he he, <laughs> he does a lot of broadcasting. Well, not as much commentary as he more wrestles, but yeah, he's done okay. commentary for GCW before. Okay, well, at the end of the day here, I want to kind of move on to get into a little more talk here. What do you say, man? Slime season. Horns up, horns down, horns in the middle? I'll say middle because there were some decent matches on this, and there were some that were eh. Mm-hmm. But it, no. was a, it was a really good show for it. Like, and, it's, and I'm happy that everybody who worked got paid, which they oh. deserve to get paid. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was like a, it was like fifteen or over fifteen grand split between all twenty wrestlers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's okay. absolutely fantastic. Yeah, so that kind of for like I've been critical for for a lot of the stuff on here, but for the most part, um, there is a lot of good you know people that you know I enjoyed seeing and watching. I was I was very entertained. And at the end of the day, yeah, I'm going to give it a horns up. We got to see more stuff like this as opposed to all your death matches, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's awesome that the, the goal for the to pay the wrestlers for this show was only $8,000 and it ended up being like just under $16,000. Mm-hmm. They like got more than double or almost just under double. Of what they had anticipated, yeah. so I, I bet like all the wrestlers who wrestled that show are pretty stoked on that that they got. Oh yeah, pretty, tell me what, what you did. did the math to about like what was it again? <laughs> Sorry, like, yeah, uh, I know that you did the math on it. It was like uh, seven hundred and fifty per person. If it was like if it was fifteen hundred exactly, it would have been seven hundred and fifty per person. But wow, like uh, initially, yeah, it would have only been like four hundred per person i think but yeah it, like being that it was like over like almost 800 now <laughs> that's that's that 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 had to be like very the, the the elation amongst the locker room knowing that they were getting paid almost double what they were expecting must have been fucking insane like that mm-hmm. was so good for sure for sure and they definitely deserve it okay i have to reiterate ir- here okay that um, today, as we speak, Monday, December 7th, okay, the day before Impact and the days after winter is coming. That's kind of important just to kind of lay the ground out for where we are. We have to get together again soon to do a follow-up to what we're just about to discuss because dude okay this is the stuff 
that I got totally stoked for. Yeah. First, first of all, it was the big title match that they were building up between John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Which, as we're speaking, it is John Moxley's birthday today. Oh, oh, okay. oh happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Mox. You know, I hope you're having a good time and enjoying your birthday. Um, I'm sure him and Renee are just hanging out at home. Just well, yeah. just like everyone else is doing on their birthdays this year. At least, at least I hope so. If you're doing the responsible thing but i'm starting to get speaking of which i'm starting to get a little nervous because next year uh, i'm the big 5-0 okay it's a a milestone man it 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 is and i would hopefully there's shows by then yes that's exactly what i'm saying like i want to montreal twice next year what we're planning like I, i i have to do it for your 50th you have to do something big you have to do something special. That's so. why we're getting drunk and seeing Repulsion in Montreal. <laughs> there, That's the plan, anyway. I'm sure. I'm sure. Horns. I just crop. want to ask this, Snowy. As a young punk rocker, did you expect to make it to fifty? Um, I didn't want to, because okay. as you know, when you're 16 and you're young, dumb, and full of cum, you're kind of like you kind of believe the live fast, die young. Yeah. Men- mentality and like 50 just seemed so old you know like all teenagers like when you're a teenager 30 seems old oh for sure you know and then once you hit 30 like 40 seems old you know and it just it just it just just keeps going but now yes i'm pushing 50 but i don't don't know I, i i don't feel like it i see other people that are like 50 and they've given up on life Mm. You, you know what I mean? They they get up, they go to work, and then they go home, and like that. That's their. They don't do anything, and that's kind of their life. And it's like, oh, how do how do you live like that? I've often said I'm pushing fifty, but I'm going on twenty five. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah. So hopefully, by the time next year rolls around, we can get a handle on this, and we can actually bring in Snowy's big five zero. The proper way with this. I'm turning, I'm turning 35 next year, so that's another milestone. <laughs> that is actually a pretty good milestone. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is, and I hope I hope we can do something with that. Yeah, me too. As well. 28 next month. <laughs> well, that's right. That's You're right. 20, yeah, You're 20, 20 year old man. <laughs> Yeah. To, to, to quote Tom Green, you're a 28 year old man. You can eat a chicken sandwich if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> if, if I want to have whiskey for breakfast, damn it, I will. I'm at road. Yeah. Should I do that already sometime? There you go. <laughs> you know uh, those yeah. shower beers before work sometimes when you just fucking need a beer? Of course. Of I course. mean, what? Oh, what? I don't do that. No. Um, so were you anticipating a title change because you know spoiler okay it'll be even later by the time this goes to air but Omega Kenny Omega good Winnipeg boy new AEW champ were you third AEW world champion and the second Winnipegger to hold the AEW it is it is. Dude, That's right. Two thirds of all AEW Winnipeg champions are, <laughs> are from Winnipeg. That's right. 
That's right, damn it. Yeah, yeah. Were you surprised? Did you see this coming? Were you anticipating this? I sort of saw it coming because there's been rumors going around for a while that Mox is going to go back to Japan and defend the IWGP US title for a bit. Yeah. Oh, okay. How he's going to get there is going to be a surprise to me, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I guess he's considered essential, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's something else that you you have to watch out for. Yeah, I, I, oh, go ahead. Okay, no, I was I was just gonna say I was actually surprised because I I don't spend a lot of time looking on the internet and you know like especially like when it comes to wrestling and all that and like if you do that, chances are you're gonna find some sort of spoiler and all that. And I'm not big on that. I never really gave it much attention. I knew they were kind of building this match up with the tournament and all that, and that's great. Okay, but I was still, okay, this could kind of go either way. Even when they brought Don Callis out, Cyrus, another good Winnipeg boy. Cyrus the virus, yeah. (laughs) Cyrus the virus, yeah. When they brought him out to do color commentary, I never really gave it much thought, okay, because it's like, like okay, like they sh- they had him, they had Callis on doing a quick hey Jericho, congratulations for nine hundred years in the wrestling business and all that. <laughs> they 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 brought they brought Callis in for that. So yeah. when they when they when they brought Callis in to do commentary for Omega's match, it's like I really okay. It's just like because they're good friends in quote unquote real life, like. Um, well, Callis also, also did commentary on Hangman and uh, Omega's match at uh, Full Gear, too. So right, right, yeah. okay. And there is there is such a strong connection, you know, back in Winnipeg between the two. Um, yeah, I, I was at the show. Omega's Doubles. dad. Yeah, right? I was at the show at Doubles Fun Club uh, a couple of years ago, where Omega made a special appearance before AEW was even a thing. When he was right. still when he was still the IWGP. Uh, Heavyweight champion. So he made like a rare appearance in Winnipeg. Don Callis made his appearance there too. And Don Callis actually came out to the ECW music. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. I'm picking myself for not having gone to that, 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 that particular event now. So with, with all of that and bringing Callis on and for what we do know, I never really gave it much thought. Okay. This is just a nice thing to do for Omega. Yeah, to have his his real life friend there. Now, Omega goes, you know, as soon as, but, you know, as soon as Callus leaves the booth, and it's like, okay, there's going to be some chicanery, some skullduggery, some shenanigans. Okay, this is when, okay, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Okay. And. The the skullduggery happens. Omega's the new champion. They run off, and then Cyrus stops. You know, to the camera on an AEW show. Okay, says tune in on Access next Tuesday for Impact Wrestling. <gasps> oh my God! Okay, like. 
<laughs> maybe because we do this show and maybe because we're a little bit older than, you know, than the younger fan and all that. Maybe we're a little more jaded. I was 15 and I totally marked out. Like, yeah, well, I, initially, yeah, initially I thought Don, Don Callis may have fucked up when he said tune in next Tuesday night. And then, but then when Alex Marquez, like, did the corny line that all announcers and interviewers like do, like, well, Tuesday, dynamite's on Wednesday. <laughs> but, yeah, but then he said what you said about tuning into Access TV and on Impact. And I was like, holy shit, they're actually doing a crossover. They're doing this. They're they're going. Yeah, they're they they're pulling the trigger on this. This yep. is absolutely fantastic because I love. I still love Impact. I'm one of the few Impact list w- w- viewers. You know, I don't catch every you know every week, but I catch about eighty five percent of them. Yeah. You know, so I am stoked. I am stoked for as we know it right now as we speak. I'm absolutely stoked for tomorrow night. I have no idea what's going to happen, what they have in mind. I'm a 15-year-old, again, that just only knows what I see on the TV, you know, where a big angle was built, and you're kind of like, oh, my God, what are they going to do next week? What are we going to do next week? I'm like, I'm serious. I'm getting stoked right now. Like, this is absolutely amazing. One of the best cliffhangers to not tune into the like the, to the same show that you were watching, I think. <laughs> and, and that that okay, so uh, you guys are obviously really excited about this. Yeah, like, I I don't think I've ever I don't think I've watched an episode of, of Impact live since the episode when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff showed up. <laughs> okay. That was ten okay. years. Ago. Yeah. yeah, that was wow. That is that seems if so I don't cool. catch it tomorrow, I'll definitely be watching it Wednesday because I have it set to record tomorrow night. Well, okay, so, well, I, I don't be watching the, like Wednesday whenever the fuck I wake up. <laughs> I I don't have the Fight Network on my cable package, but I I'll, I'm gonna be down- on Twitch. Yeah, I'm gonna be downloading Twitch just to subscribe to Impact's channel just to watch it. I I do get it on Game Show T or Game TV, but that's not till Saturday. So right, uh, yeah. So I'm definitely gonna just be downloading Twitch and subscribing to Impact's channel for free just to watch this because I have never been so stoked or something. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. This, this is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. loving every, every minute of this because I'm, I've, I've seen Omega as like a rookie here in the in the Indies in Winnipeg, and I remember the Natural Cyrus, the Natural here in Winnipeg, and all that. So yeah. oh, that's a long time ago to see these guys still, still doing it and all that, and doing it and and sucking me in. Yeah, you know, like, what, what, Don Callis being. Did you ever think that Don Callis would be a rele- relevant name in wrestling, mainstream wrestling in 2020? Not, a, like, not, a, not at all. As soon as yeah. you know, as soon as he was kind of done in ECW, it's like okay, he's going to go and he's going to, you know, bow out gracefully and go and do something in the real world and all that. And then when they when they brought him back for like to be a, a booker or whatever, one of the head honchos at Impact, it's like okay, that makes sense. 
this is someone that I would hire. And as a Winnipeg fan, I immediately said, okay, you know what? This gives us the chance that maybe we might see a live impact, like a house show even here in Winnipeg. Yeah, for sure. You know, like that that would be off the hook because I figured, you know, Callis would do all he could to make that happen. Hasn't happened yet. I'm still holding out for all of this, but I have to admit, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I cannot wait. If we did get an impact house show here, I would spend probably way too much money. (laughs) Uh, On merch. Yeah. 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 Well, it's like, I'll go off topic for a second. How much did I drop on merch our first day at the Montreal Fest? Like 150 bucks? (laughs) Yeah. Uh-huh. We walked Day. in, got our tickets, and I went. We went right to the merch booth, and Snowy sat down with Melissa, and I was just like, "I'll be right back." And I came back with like five shirts and like two hoodies, yeah. and Snowy's like, "The fuck, dude!" I'm like, "What? I'm buying it all now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see it. Give well, me the hotel key. I'll be right back. And I ran back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was when we went to uh, the Quebec Death Fest in Montreal a couple years back. So, yeah. you, so you either need like a lot of cash or a credit card with a pretty decent limit in order to go um, to these. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For for impact, like I'm not big on the wrestling merch. Oh, I'll, I'll probably that. drop. I'd probably drop like a hundred. I All right. see me buying. Yeah, a lot of impact merch in the event that we get a we we get a house show here. I could definitely. The biggest see. thing. I'm anticipating about this crossover is like the matches that we could potentially see. Like mm-hmm. not only not only Kenny Omega just showing up on Impact Wrestling, like that that that's pretty awesome in and of itself. But the other possibilities that open up because of this, like dream matches, man. Like oh you know? yeah yeah. Any <laughs> all your top guys from Impact, you know, showing up, you know, on on Dynamite. You know, and, like, and vice versa. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see Omega and Rick Swan. That'd be good. Yeah. Oh uh, fuck. Uh, how about the North versus FTR? There we are. That's that's what I'm talking about. Or or fuck yeah, even a Bullet Club clash of uh, Gallows and Anderson versus the Young Bucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, you got your juices going. And even like uh, to play into your deathmatch fantasies, Ducky. Fucking John Moxley versus Sammy Callahan. Imagine that. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! Well, when Mox returned to the Indies, Sammy was even like, "Yeah, I'd like to do one more with John." Or even if they just teamed up and did their old uh, their old CZW tag team, the Switchblade Conspiracy. Yeah, that would be cool too. Either way, like this opens the door, like. So much, and it doesn't limit things like WWE does, like how they like how WWE lives in their own bubble. <laughs> this, this, this expands everything so much, and it really like it's like our own modern like territory days that we can like hearken. Like, we can create, we can create like a new territory days with this shit. It's and awesome. Act, we just might actually get those dream matches because we yeah. didn't get we didn't get NWA Flair versus WWF Hogan. We didn't. You know, we didn't even though it was right there under their fucking noses. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But the competition between the two was just so brutal. You know, if you think it was bad, you know, between WCW and the WWF, 
in the 90s, it was worse in the 80s between the NWA and the WWF. It was just yeah. absolutely brutal. Um, it doesn't look like we're getting that anymore now. And, you know, I'm I'm totally stoked. You're right. All of these dream matches, you know, the the ladies champions and all that. They, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I want to see Thunder Rosa versus Rosemary. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Or we could see, we could see Allie versus Rosemary again. Or so, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, yeah. The, the potential for like great <laughs> things coming out of this is like infinite. Well, not infinite, but like, <laughs> it's, I know what you mean. Yeah. As of last week, like, hey, as of five days ago, we couldn't have like imagined what we can out, you know? <laughs> Definitely, definitely. I'm so excited. How excited were you guys for staying? That was honestly, I did not expect him to show up. Like, no, no, because like, not at all. Like the whole winter is coming thing. I understand that was kind of like their own. Like, it was similar to like their whole like televised or like turning their TV show into a pay per view thing, kind of like what they've been doing with. Bash at the Beach and uh, how NXT has been doing with Great American Bash and Halloween Havoc. Mm-hmm. So, like, this this was just kind of their own way of, like, presenting an episode of Dynamite like a pay-per-view as they had been hyping it up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, I expected something to happen. Like, I, I, I kind of found it weird that they were using a tagline from Game of Thrones that hasn't been on the air for over two years, but whatever. <laughs> That's All right, see, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah. Winter is coming was a thing from Game of Thrones, so that hasn't really been a relevant pop culture phrase for over two years now. But either way, mm-hmm. uh, I was still curious as to why they were went with that. But yeah, like after the uh, after the match that Darby and uh, Cody had with Team Taz, like the lights went out, and I was just like, they showed like the whole like the video of the of the winter landscape and i was like oh what's happening here and then sting's name came across the screen and, he, and hearing tony Schiavone for the first time in 20 years yell it's sting, it's sting! It's sting! <laughs> yeah 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 it was amazing i was actually watching that with mrs snowy and she normally doesn't get all the way through the AEW with me. She'll watch a little bit of it while we're having dinner and all that. Then she'll kind of go and go about and do her her own thing. But she made it all the way through with this. Okay, she marked out for Sting as well because she remembers Sting, you know, all well, throughout Sting's, his career. Yeah, he's like he's a household name. I'd say like he. Kind of has a popularity that I think that supersedes uh, professional wrestling. Like a lot of people know who Sting is. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if you're not a wrestling fan, you still recognize him. Same with the Undertaker and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, even The Rock, John Cena. He's he's among those guys who like non wrestling fans still recognize. Right, right. Because of the, I think people would recognize the name Sting because of the Crow thing and because the NWO gimmick or the angle and the WCW was just so huge in the late nineties that yeah, Sting actually transcended into the mainstream. Now that said, 
while my wife and I, while we're marking out over Sting and getting all excited, I got my mother-in-law sitting beside us going, well, who is this guy? Oh, well, he mustn't be very famous. I've never heard of him. But then again, my my mother-in-law also thinks that Vern Gagne is still AWA world champion. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> like, so she obviously hasn't followed it in the last 50 years. So that's when you responded with AW what? <laughs> uh, she would never believe that because we've watched AWA together. She hits you so. with a rock bottom out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Boom. But that that didn't that didn't detract from this moment. And this was the best way to do it. Yeah, I like how he just kind of came out and stared like when he when he came out initially and like stared everybody down. First staring down Arn Anderson. Arn Anderson can't believe he's yeah. in the same <laughs> thing again. Of course. He stared right? down Cody. History. Yeah. Uh, he stared down Cody Rhodes, which was cool. And then when he went he went over to Darby Allen and they had the longest stare down, which I was like, Oh man, that's I hope like I know Sting's like getting on in age. He's like in his sixties, so I don't. I'm not anticipating him putting on a five star match in 2020 against anybody. But it's at okay. least Meltzer call it five star. Oh, I'm, oh yeah, probably. But if it it's was in awesome. Japan. Sting did two moves, five star. Yeah. <laughs> he did his shitty sharpshooter and his stinger splash. Scorpion deathlock, but whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah he. He, he went up to Darby Allen and they had the longest stare down of all of them. And that just like tells me, I was like, man, I hope fucking Sting has some sort of mentorship angle with Darby Allen because that would be right. so, yeah. As I'd been saying before, I was like, just about to put you over for that, dude. You called it. You yeah. called it a couple episodes back. And I immediately thought of you when Sting was face to face with Allen. It's like, oh, fuck, Matt called this. Yeah. You know, he said our he, the, Matt the, called the, Tony Khan and was like, you, you fucking better do that. <laughs> yeah. You saw the parallels. Yeah, I got all the... Uh, Boulevard, Winnipeg, boy, Kenny Omega, and we're like, hey, what's Tony's number? Yeah, I got a hold of Tony Khan's number and the actual conversation went, hey, Tony, look, I think you should bring in Sting to be... Uh, to be uh, Darby Allen's manager. And he was all like, how did you get this number? And I said, hey, shut up. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking now. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went, you have three minutes. <laughs> that's it, that's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. How would you like to see Sting used? Not as a main event push. Right, right. Not I don't want to see a, a, a spot taken. No, I don't want them to use him like how WWE has been using Goldberg lately. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> that would be kind of a bad situation because, like, mm-hmm. I I love Sting. Like, I like I loved Sting all the way back in WCW. His WWE run was well left much to be desired, but I don't know if we can really blame Seth Rollins or Vince McMahon for that or whoever. But I don't like I don't want to see him wrestle really because I know he no. can't really do it but right. yeah the, put him on the active roster on the aw site though is he okay well he's zero zero. Oh, okay <laughs> well i guess we'll see on dynamite what his intentions really are if anything be in like tag team matches with darby 
Yeah, I imagine he'll probably... do 95% of the work and then Stinger, Stinger Splash and Scorpion and win. Yeah, but I'm yeah. good with that. Either, like, either he'll be a mentor for Darby Allen or like cheese some kind of altercation between the two on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, like, both guys, like, I don't, Jericho hasn't really lost a step, but Sting, I'm still, like, kind of. Well, I guess if there was one guy in, in all of AEW that I would trust in the ring with Sting, it would be Jericho. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm not. Ex- I wouldn't expect a five star classic out of those two when one's fifty and the other is over sixty. <laughs> right. The combined right. age of them both is 111. Holy jeez! Wow, wow. So, but no, like bring bring Sting out with the bat and give him the big entrance with with Allen or just you know just if if you can't find something for Sting to do. Then you just shouldn't be a booker. Like, come on, it's fucking Sting. <laughs> yeah, is he is he gonna come down from the rafters? Oh, I guess if he, if he was if he was if he was ever gonna come down from the rafters, I guess he would have done it this week. You're right, uh, right. Yeah, no, I think, I think the Yeah, I think the rafter days are kind of done. Yeah, I could see him. Okay, like they had Alan doing the Sting up, sitting up in the. The top parts of of date of daily place. Why not? You know, have him doing that, just kind of watching out, like, like, um, hey guys, you know, cut the shit. Someone here is watching. I'm tired of seeing what's going on here in AEW. Everyone's out of control. I'm the new enforcer, and I'm watching. And all that, yeah. like that's that's something something to go. It's yeah, some, yeah. Well, or maybe they plan on just like having him be silent for an entire year, like they did in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that worked. That worked so well. Ninety-seven, but yeah, nowadays, who knows? I don't think it would. No, no, but 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 back then that was that was absolutely amazing. So we're all stoked for Sting. I'm stoked to see like I'm gonna wait until Wednesday to hear what he says on his interview with uh, Shivani. Oh, okay, but, like it was like well, <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked not only to hear what he has to say, but the fact that Tony Shivani and Sting are gonna be in the same ring together for the first time in twenty years. <laughs> that's, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. On the, same, uh. on the same channel, nevertheless. Oh, that's another thing too, yeah. Like Yes. Shivani uh. haven't been on the same show. Or that was that was the first time they were on the same show since the last episode of Nitro in two thousand. Prob- yeah, yeah. When Vince did the whole purchase and the showing up on Nitro and yeah, the, the last or the last ever uh, match on Nitro was Sting versus Ric Flair. Yeah, and I couldn't think of a better match to go out on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now and now Sting's back on TNT along with Tony Schiavone, and <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what uh, they have to say. Like we we see a lot of like uh, nostalgia with them being on TNT, and they had like Eric Bischoff, and I guess yeah. Mm-hmm. Chris, Chris Jericho calling him Skiavone again. So <laughs> if Hogan shows up, I'm done. Hey, Hogan will never set foot in an AEW. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't, haven't they said that Hogan and like Hulk and Linda Hogan are banned? 
Yeah, from, because of the racist rumors. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that that could definitely change. But I don't see well, like what would you do with Hogan? Like uh, you can do something with Jericho, obviously. You could do something with Sting. You can do something with Bischoff. Can you really do anything with Hogan? No, no, no right. That's yeah. There's like there's like, nothing. DNA. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's nothing you could do with Hogan that would like be that would benefit anybody of anyone but him. Yeah. yeah all all they would do like is just last guy, he's the last guy who needs benefiting right now. Like, who are these cruiserweight guys next? Yeah. yeah. This doesn't work for me, brother. Glass ceiling, brother. <laughs> that's it, that's All we do is leg drops. Yeah. <laughs> so we're... Just give me the belt, brother, and we'll be good. Ready? So go through the roof. <laughs> so we're all excited. We're all stoked. We're all getting ready. I'm. My face right now is sore from smiling. About yeah. This, about this whole thing. I am 50 well, again. We're all excited about the next uh, two days after today in wrestling. <laughs> Which is exactly the way it should be. Exactly. That was actually quite the reveal, too. Just, yeah. you know, there like, was kind of, there yeah, was the, no build-up to it or anything like that that we really noticed or anything. But once again, the big reveal... Okay, and we're now transitioning here into this week's Turnbuckle Talk. Excellent segue, by the way. Uh, I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. Yes. They had, they, they had the big reveal and pro wrestling, the, you know, that's always been the life's one, one of the life's blood of pro wrestling shall yep. we say the anticipation something something is going to happen next week i remember as a kid okay growing up here in winnipeg and it was an old awa territory and the heels the heels would attack you know jerry blackwell and sheik adnan lkc would attack um mad dog vashon you know and leave them bloody and all that so the next promo vashon would you know i'm i'm going to get myself a partner and i'm coming after you yeah you'll have to tune also, in next week sorry all elite wrestling just posted that there's going to be another interview on dynamite it's going to be tony shivani is going to apparently interview shack oh okay well they're fine they're finally doing something with shack oh okay all right. Okay. Well, don't what, care. <laughs> what they would do? Like bring it up. <laughs> what they would do? Because is, AEW just announced it. <laughs> they they never did anything with Shaq. They never did anything with Shaq, and all and all and all that. Which is kind of they're kind of dropping the ball with that. So hopefully, they're kind of doing something with that now. We'll, also, we'll see with that. Also, FTR are facing Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. on on Wednesday. All right, so that'll awesome. be good. That should that should be pretty good. I hope it's a good match and not just a squash. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You always have that potential of it being a squash, but because I guess I, I definitely think there is a lot of potential with Brian Pillman Jr. 
Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, with, with that, you would have the, you know, mad dog with Sean would be, you know, like I'm getting, I'm going to get my partner, you know, tune in next week. Okay. And yeah. the, the idea is to talk, you know, everyone into the building for the next house show. Because we were doing, the AWA was doing monthly cards here. And they were packing the old Winnipeg Arena barn in every month. So you need something to get someone there. You need to build up that in, that anticipation. You need the big reveal. So the week before the big card, you know, the big house show at the, at the AWA or, or at, at the Winnipeg arena, you know, they would announce the mad dog would be like, my, my, my partner is the Baron, Baron Von Raschke. And everyone would go nuts. Okay. It's It's, it's now mad dog. It's now Baron, you know, and then Gene Okerlund would be run. Don't walk to get tickets. And that's exactly what everyone did. Yeah. Just that simple, basic booking used to fill the old barn. Okay. And it worked because it got everyone's minds going. Who is he going to get? Who is he going to get? What's the big reveal? And that's always been one of, you know, like I said, one of the life's blood of professional wrestling. And that tradition continues today. They were pushing the Dark Order here in AEW. Who was who was who is the mastermind between the Dark Order? And the exalted one, yeah. The exalted one, yeah. And it turned out to be Brody Lee. Okay, what was his name in the WWE? Luke Harper. Yeah, Luke Harper, yeah. Okay, this big reveal. Okay. Did you care? What was your reaction when you found out it was him? I thought it was pretty cool. Like, I, like, oh, everything leading up to it made me believe that it was going to be Broken Matt Hardy. Okay. Because like, they just kept on teasing that. They used the words obsolete and all that stuff. And ah. I was like, I was like, okay, so obviously Broken Matt Hardy is going to be the exalted one in, in the Dark Order. And they built up to that. And then they, like, they revealed who the, Exalted one was on that. I think it was the first lockdown episode of uh, Dynamite back in March. Oh, okay. I I can only I only wish that there would have been a crowd there for that because like when he revealed himself to be to be Brody Lee, I was like, oh shit, okay. So it's like, is Matt Hardy even coming to the? <laughs> is <laughs> Matt Hardy even coming to AEW? Because at that point, like Matt Hardy's contract had been like up in the air and. But yeah, having uh, having it be Brody Lee, I thought was pretty good. But uh, uh, we haven't seen him in a few weeks since he lost. The- no, no, he's kind of disappeared, and I just have the feeling that the whole Dark Order, the whole angle, is losing steam. Well, like, I don't know I don't anymore. They're kind of teasing that Hangman might be joining them. Okay. Yeah, but jo- like. They've kind of been like carrying their carrying themselves as like a comedy team thus far. Right. So, like ever since like John Silver has gotten popular, I think. <laughs> oh, they 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 should just turn on him and build him as a solo guy. Now. John, oh, Silver's yeah. amazing. Yeah, 
Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah, if they can like turn on yeah, turn on him and have John Silver like be that uh that underdog baby face, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be cool, but yeah, the yeah, the lead the, the lead up to the big reveal of who the exalted one was, like they had every reason for you to believe that it was Matt Hardy, but I guess the AEW guys know that like not to make things like painfully obvious. So they like swerved everybody with Brody Lee. Right, right. Yeah. I'm trying not to do my my Russo. Bro, it's a swerve, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It's a swerve, bro. It's a swerve, bro. Sorry. But then sure enough, later later that very same night, Broken Man Hardy would debut on AEW TV with to be the uh the final member of the of AEW's War Games team that never actually happened. <laughs> right, right. Yes, honestly, to bring Matt Hardy as the exalted one, that would have been worse than Brody Lee. Like, I just no, no. Like this, this is a guy. Like they're they're teasing turning him heel. I'm sorry, it's not going to work. Like, like no, like there's no way that any Hardy should be a heel. You well, know, like, they they, they kind of did like Matt Hardy even teased himself on his own YouTube series, where he was like fighting with his broken self. <laughs> where like he, he he like he uttered the words "exalted." So I was like, oh, okay. Well, now it seems perfectly obvious. And even Evil Uno said, like, like once the exalted one comes, everyone else will be obsolete. And I was like, well, this now just seems so obvious. <laughs> and then, and then when, you like, yeah. oh, it's that. Yeah. Then when it turned out to be Brody Lee, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess Matt Hardy's not coming to AEW. And then yeah, a couple hours later, or one hour, and then one he hour. show up. Yeah, he one did show up. No, I was over satisfied with that big deal. No, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. So with that in mind, I was also thinking, you know, over the years of some various other big reveals and all that, and some worked really well and some not so much. Kind of curious, though, as to what you guys kind of came up. Do you guys have some favorite good or bad reveals? Uh, excuse me. Don't uh, die. <laughs> trying, trying not to. Uh, I'm trying to think again. Shit, I just had some. Okay, what about you, Matt? Do you got? I guess like yeah. The the most disappointing reveal I thought was the greater power from the Attitude Era. It's me, Austin. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Which we kind of alluded to earlier this this, this episode. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which yeah, which that the the big reveal it turned out to be Vince, and I have to admit I was kind of like, uh, really, yeah, you <laughs> know, uh, like did they did they stay up all night thinking of, you know, Vince was the greater power, and all that, like, uh, okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, it makes you. It's a head scratcher for sure. But like, they're like, after so many rumors of it, like being potentially either like Christopher Daniels or even Don Callis, like that would have worked. That would have worked. It would have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. You you bring someone else, someone new in, give them a big push. 
Really? Yeah. See, see where it goes, and it would get my attention. I like Christopher Daniels. I like Don Callis. I don't like Vince McMahon. At I've always been. I'm, I'm Vince out. You know. At least it wasn't Russo. At least it wasn't Russo. <laughs> yeah, I'm all Russoed out too. If he never comes back, it'll be too fucking soon. Because yeah. they were like, "Here's the big reveal." He would have pulled the he- the hood off. Swerve, bro. Swerve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it would have gone nowhere because it just it was just a hot shot angle. Yeah, which, which he was actually so good at. One of the absolute worst reveals was at the very, I believe it was the very first Survivor Series. Oh yeah. Okay, and just the just the idea of the existence of the very first Survivor Series is a whole other turnbuckle talk, which I'm sure we'll get to one of these days. One of the things that they focused that whole thing around was the big egg. Yep, leading up to it on Superstars or whatever the job match show was, because this is pre Nitro, pre Raw. You know, where it's basically just job matches on the show where they would have this big egg, this huge egg. I don't know what fucking bird was was laying this one, okay? But it was huge. And they would have kids, you know, planted kids up there touching the egg, trying to make it look like they care. They They have some clue as to what's going on, you know. And the idea was the egg was going to hatch at Survivor Series. Okay, this was the big reason that everyone was supposed to tune into this rather than Starcade. Okay. <laughs> the, the egg hatches and it's the gobbledygooker. <gasps> oh my god. Wow. Okay. Like it it was it was probably at like I had like as a wrestling fan, I already knew that the WWF was sports entertainment and it was a farce as compared to the AWA and the NWA and especially the UWF and world class yeah. and all that. This just cemented it. Like, this has got to be the worst, you know, thing that <laughs> I'd ever seen. Uh, Gene Okerlund, dude, I love you, but... You fucking embarrassed yourself, you know, dancing yeah. with the gobbledygooker, which turned out to be just this guy in this bird suit. And that was Chavo Guerrero, apparently. No, in was, the bird uh, suit. Hector Guerrero. Hector Guerrero, which was Eddie's um, brother. Yeah. Eddie's. Okay. Eddie Guerrero's older brother. See, I'm getting. Okay. And that's. So, okay, yeah. Chavo is Chavo Guerrero Jr.'s father. father. Okay, yes, okay. Guess, yeah, they're, all, they're all Eddie's brothers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, okay, Eddie must have been really young. He must have been the runt of the litter. Yeah, because yeah. he, yeah. He okay. didn't, uh, yeah, he wasn't even a thing in WCW for like another five years after that. Right, right. And I remember the Guerreros, Mondo, Chavo, and Hector, you know, for years before Eddie even showed up. So, yeah, so Eddie must have been the run. But anyways, yes, 
It was one of the Guerrero. <laughs> he must have thought, okay, I'm going to be the gobbledygooker. I'm going to be getting a paycheck from Vince. You know, and it's just, oh. it, this was it. And he was, yeah, he was like completely ghosted by the company afterwards. Uh, well, yeah, because he's already typecast. Well, we can't yeah. do anything with this, with this, um, this guy with this amazing work rate and all that with this veteran. He's the gobbledygooker. Well, you put him in the fucking costume. Like, what? What do you want? <laughs> well, Undertaker thought that he was going to be the guy coming out of that egg. He got called up by Vince. So. <laughs> oh God. Oh, that would have been worse. Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you remember? Did, like, okay, obviously you guys, you guys had the good fortune of not being there when this happened. I wasn't born yet. You weren't even. <laughs> you weren't even born yet. I was I, negative I was, three. <laughs> yeah. I was four years old, but yeah, I, I wasn't watching wrestling at the time. So yeah. That, okay. So yeah. like, I I could just imagine you guys just. When okay, what do you recall seeing it the first time? Like I imagine on the network or something. Yeah, it was just like one like like highlight reels that they would show like leading up to Survivor Series, like in the coming years or the years that I'd be watching wrestling. And I was like, why is this a highlight? Some dude in a bird suit, like it's like the Goldie Gooker would show up like randomly in other. Uh, Another Survivor Series, and he was he was even in that gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania. Oh match. no way! Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow! Oh. And he oh. also won the twenty four seven title at Survivor Series this year. Oh, okay. you're ki- killing me! Well, sorry, Drew Gulak <laughs> won the. Yeah, Drew Gulak. Yeah, Gulak as the gobbledygooker was yeah won the twenty four seven title. Okay. Uh, I got to cleanse the palate here. I got to cleanse the palate here with a little better reveal here. When they brought Macho Man Randy Savage into the WWF, I believe it was 1986. They were, he was, okay, Savage was already a veteran in the Memphis area and in the Continental Wrestling Federation. They brought him in, and you could tell, even just doing squash matches, like Randy Savage was going to be something special. They brought him in as a heel. Mm-hmm. Okay, He could brawl, but he could fly. He had, a, he had a great work rate, and he was a wicked promo. Like, you knew this guy was going to be something special. Macho Madness started as a fan thing, okay, before... Before Christopher, not Christopher Daniels. Before Brian, Dan, Brian, Daniel Bryan. Okay, the fan, the way the fans took to Daniel Bryan, you know, when yeah. the, whole, the whole yes, yes thing, the fans created Daniel Bryan. The fans created Macho Madness. Even though he was a heel, everybody loved it. Everyone still took to him because it was he, he was a sight to watch. It was absolutely incredible. Part of his build was all of the managers at the time all wanted a piece of Savage. They would, Bobby Heenan, Mr. Fuji, Classy Freddy Blassie, I think even Slick started showing up around that time. They all came, all, 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 all the heel managers, okay, whenever Savage was beating the hell out of some punching bag, 
the managers would come out and they would make it look like they were talking to one another and all that because they were all seeing this great new talent. They all wanted, you know, Randy Savage as part of his stable. They built this for a while and it really had me thinking, who is he going to go with? Oh, he would be great with Bobby Heenan. He would be great, you know, with classy Freddie Blassie, you know. I wonder who the like I've sucked in stock lock and barrel. He brings out Elizabeth, and right then and there, man, a star is born. No one saw that coming at all. Like you guys would remember Elizabeth, and you've seen her over the years. Yep, and she died in Lex Luger's house. Cough, cough. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, yeah. That. That bringing Elizabeth in was a stroke of genius because no one saw it. No one saw it coming. She was an unknown commodity. She was Savage's real life wife. I don't know if they were actually married at the time, but they they were an actual thing. Apparently, she had some sort of work in continental wrestling. But for the most part, she was, you know, relatively unknown. And it worked so well. And because of that, like Elizabeth went on to be one of the biggest things like in WWF history. Mm. Yeah, so that that was one of the reveals that I that always kind of stuck with me. That was one of the the plus reveals. Uh, yeah. What do you guys yeah. got uh, for plus reveals? Anything uh, plus negative. Just give me one. I would say the a, plus, a huge plus reveal recently was uh, last year's War Games. <laughs> now that we mentioned it, oh okay, but, uh, yeah. Uh, so it was uh, at, at going into it. It was the Undisputed Era who were the heels against Team Champa. Now Team Champa didn't have a fourth man, and they didn't reveal the fourth man. And like they, they usually with these War Games uh, matches, they bring out everybody now uh, at the beginning, and then the, every everybody in the match. Uh, gets locked into a cage, and then they okay. come out one at a time, and like a cage at the top of the ramp, and they come out one at a time. The fourth man in Team Champa did not come out with the rest of them, so <laughs> so the, the, it, it remained a mystery right up until the very end. Okay, yeah. So the the very the the clocks like the clock ran down. It was all the four members of the Undisputed Era versus the three three members of Team Champa. And then the clock ran down. All the guys from Undisputed Era just looked back at the ramp. And they were just like, uh, you got nothing. <laughs> and then <laughs> they, they go back to, like, still dismantle, like, try to beat uh, Team Champa. Then Kevin Owens' music hits. <laughs> ah. Yeah. And Kevin Owens making his, like, triumphant return to, or one night return to NXT, being that he was, like, an NXT all-star back in the day. Like, I, I still guess. love when he threw. I don't remember who he threw into the cage. I think it was Roderick Strong, and then he went, "Oh, did that hurt?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like just like like having zero anticipation, zero clue over to who it might have been. Like there was no obvious pick. He was mm-hmm. like, "Who the, the fourth member of Team Champa?" And then like like when yeah, as soon as I just the back, and they were like, "Yeah, you got nothing." And then you just hear that. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It was, uh, take that take, that War Games was on before the new one. So when Dad showed up 
Sunday for War Games, he showed up right before Kevin Owens came out from last year, and he's like, oh, yeah, this match was good, and we watched it. So we're like, okay, cool. Now we're ready. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was the night before Survivor Series that year. So, <laughs> yeah, so that really created a lot of tension between Team Raw being like, oh, you were just on NXT last night. What are you doing? <laughs> like, where does your allegiance lie? And Kevin Owens is like, ah. Oh. Don't I was on the good show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like that, that had to be one of my favorite reveals because you literally had like no reason to believe that Kevin Owens was going to show up on NXT. Like I was like, okay, who, who, who recently, like I was like scouring the internet. I was like, whose contract on the Indies recently ran <laughs> <laughs> that might show up. And they still, they still got you. They still got yeah. you. Right on, yeah. Right on, good old school booking. Yeah, yeah. Even, uh, that happened in 2019 of all years. Mm. Well, <laughs> you, you can't beat that. Like when that happens, like that's the that's the thing. And I don't mean to tell the kids to get off my lawn or anything, but that's the thing with the internet right now. We have too much information. We know about shit too much. There's too many spoilers. We that's had- I try not to follow like of big promotions on like Facebook or Instagram or anything. Right, right. But I know someone on my friends list is going to share it. And it's like, fuck! <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Don't do like, that. Yeah. That AEW and Sting showed up. They're just like, okay, I'm going to try and stay off of Facebook and Instagram tonight and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, so-and-so tagged you on a status. Okay, and what's the thing under it? Sting has shown up. I'm like, oh, fuck. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> See, there there was none of that when I was a teenager. Like, like all of the magazines were total kayfabe. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, like they, they, that's, you just, you didn't know and you didn't want to know. You didn't, you know, you, you suspended disbelief with everything. Okay. Well, I remember that's like that. hearing stories from like, I think it was like Ricky Steamboat and, Back in the WCW days, where he was like, when they were on the road to the next town, and he would stop out of, at a convenience store for a bathroom break or just to buy like uh, something to tie him over uh, to eat. And like Ric Flair happened to be at that same convenience store, <laughs> and, <laughs> and some uh, some fans were there too. So 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 Ricky Steamo walked up to Ric Flair and just started talking shit to him. And then uh, the next day at the uh, at the next show, uh, Ric Flair was like. Hey man, what the, what the hell was up with that? <laughs> what was up with that at the at the convenience <laughs> store? It's like, oh, I was just doing that for the kids. Yeah, there's someone watching. Like that yeah. was big. That was kayfabe, man. Like yeah. they were very protective protective of the business, and it worked. It worked so well, and i i want I want those days back. Yeah, yeah but yeah. sadly, with the way social media works nowadays, I don't think it's possible. Right, right. I I have to be proactive and just kind of shut myself off. And I, I, for the most part, when it comes to wrestling, I, I can do that because I want I want that big I want the big reveal. I want I want to mark out when I saw when you see Sting show up. But like I totally want all of that. Like Speaking, you, you want you want it, but it's like at the same time nowadays you're kind of forced to. Except the fact that wrestlers are just human beings, mm-hmm. like right, right. They're not. They're not really the superheroes that you kind of because that's that's how I got into wrestling. I read comic books. Yeah, well, when even, I discovered, yeah, 
Yeah, even on the network today, they played an old episode of Raw where they were like playing up a concussion angle that Shawn Michaels had had. And then they, after the, the interview with his doctor and all that, they uh, they had this whole segment where Vince McMahon was like, it's easy, it's easier for us to believe that the superstars that we watch on TV are above us, somehow more powerful. <laughs> but really, they're just humans. Like they're human beings. Yeah. Well, that's 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 what we wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, in real life, some of them are assholes. Cough, cough. Ted DiBiase, cough. Yeah, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah well, I know maybe not nowadays, Shawn Michaels, but back then, yes, Shawn Michaels was definitely one of the most political guys in the back room, and mm-hmm. like he used his popularity to his advantage. But now, nowadays, I wouldn't expect that out of Shawn Michaels. I would maybe, hope maybe out of Randy Orton. But <laughs> well, Orton's always been a dick. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, pooping yeah, in people's gym no. dicks. <laughs> and then there's Brock Lesnar who just hates people. Yeah, well, that's yeah, uh, Saskatchewan. <laughs> that's okay, and he can stay there. Yeah, yeah. Please, he can stay please there and fuck table and fucking get drunk off whiskey and suplex cows through fucking barns <laughs> or whatever he does on his spare time. <laughs> can I go there to that cow? Oh, let's see if I can F five it. Oh, no, I, I, I can picture just Brock Lesnar just one of the ball of Jack Daniels just walking out to his fucking barn just like with a bunch of cows, like, but you fucking. Fucking look at me funny. I just <laughs> yeah, don't let you know who I am. Yeah. F five. Yeah. Sable's just in the house being like, God damn it, not again, Brock. <laughs> Brock. <laughs> Leave the cows alone. Hey, I need give- help. <laughs> oh, God. Is he a fucking cows again? Yes. God damn it. <laughs> speaking speaking of sting. Okay, been <laughs> for about an hour now. In yeah. some way, shape, or form, Sting has been coming up, and I am so excited. One of the things I was not excited about with Sting is at one point he was basically WCW's fair-haired boy. Everyone, the early '90s was kind of fucking off to the WWF and all that. Sting, Steve Borden made the absolutely brilliant decision of saying, no, I'm not going to Vince because if everyone else leaves, I'm going to stick around here and my value just increases exponentially. Okay. Which it did like for years leading, you know, through whenever, like I said, near the late eighties, once, you know, they gave Sting the big push with the feud for the Horsemen and all that. That was basically in the early 90s. Like, Sting was the one, you know, towing the company line. The only reason why anyone was showing up. Mm-hmm. One of the big angles with Sting, though, was the big boxes. Does this ring a bell? Have you guys, I don't expect you guys to have seen it, like, back then, because, you know... Matt, you were a kid. Dustin, you weren't even born. You were probably just like, barely born. Was this, like, was this like Surfer Boy Sting when he had the like the blonde hair? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. and the red the the red makeup and the the spiked hair, the blonde yeah, spiked yeah. hair. I, my first memory of Sting was the crow Sting. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So this this is kind of before your time. Mm-hmm. 
Well, on WCW programming, kind of building up this angle is these big these big boxes, human sized boxes, adult male human sized boxes would show up on the rampway when Sting was on his after a match. He was going down, you know, down he was going backstage, this box would show up and he would be looking at it like, what is this? What's going on? Boom, Cactus Jack appears out of the box and attacks him. Okay, the next week, Sting has his match. He's on his way back backstage. Another box shows up. Boom, out, just out of the box, it's Abdullah the Butcher attacking <laughs> and all that. So Sting was getting all these big boxes. Well, who's sending the boxes? Okay, now... My, you know, my Mark brain is kind of like, okay, maybe it's Eddie Gilbert. He's got that, you know, he's got that pass with Sting in the old UWF. Well, we haven't seen Tully Blanchard in a while. You know, maybe it's Tully. Oh, this would be a great way to bring him back. Oh, who else could it be? Who else could it be? It was Lex Luger. Oh, <laughs> fuck. Oh, really? Really? Like this this is I once again. I hope you didn't stay up all night thinking it thinking of this. You know, I hope you maybe had someone. You had an Eddie Gilbert, you had a Tully Blanchard, a Kevin Sullivan. You know, hopefully you had someone and then that kind of dropped out. So you had to go with Lex, like WCW has done so many times. It's like, well, we had Flair versus this guy. It didn't work out. Well, we have this pay-per-view. What are we going to do? Well, let's throw him in there with Luger again. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, so, I guess. <laughs> I had two reveal things in my mind, but one of them just for some reason went poof. So now I only remember one of them. Please, um, go ahead. Go ahead. Do then. you remember Terry Funk's debut on WWE? Like when as Chainsaw Charlie? Chainsaw yeah. Charlie? Yeah. Yep. In the box. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember that, but I remember Chainsaw Charlie with yeah, the. Because like Mick Foley, well, when he was Cactus Jack, was like, oh, this guy was like, it's going to hurt you or something, blah, blah, blah. And like the New Age Outlaws was standing there, and then a chainsaw came through the box. And oh, then he cut yeah. Himself out of it. That led to their match at WrestleMania twenty or fourteen. Yep. Yeah. See, I don't remember that. I just didn't catch that episode, but I remember Chainsaw Charlie, and I knew it was Funk. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, last episode, as a teenager going to see Funk live, and all that. Like, to- I, I don't totally know how even. he's still wrestling, but like, well, he's not supposed to be. He retired. Yeah, even, times, in, yeah. even yeah. in 1998, he should have been. Yeah, he's just gonna die in the ring. He started doing death matches when he was 50. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, how old? How old was he in 1998? Was that like when he was around his 50s? 53. Oh, <laughs> He was old when I was young. Let's put yeah. it that way. <laughs> yeah, ter- Terry, yeah. I know he, he came out to check on mankind during the Hell in a Cell match and got choke slammed out of his shoes for his troubles. 
Yeah. <laughs> he's still breathing. It's chokes <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, he just did that to like to talk to the Undertaker. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's like when fully like said what actually is said between them. Taker was like, "Check if he's alive," and he's like, yeah. he's "Still breathing," and then he got choke slammed <laughs> out of his shoes. Yeah. That actually reminds me of another great reveal was that uh, of Kane when Kane, yeah. After the, after Paul Bear had turned on, that was actually the second one. I was yeah there yeah. Oh okay oh, okay good. <laughs> yeah when when uh, Undertaker and Paul Bear had separated and like Paul Bear had his legion of guys of who tried to take out the Undertaker, none of which had been successful. But <laughs> yeah, then eventually Paul Bear had revealed that uh, Undertaker had a younger brother that had burned alive in the funeral or had had been burned in the funeral home that he set on fire and now Kane was looking for the Undertaker to get vengeance upon him and then at some point that story kind of like fizzled out like they didn't really call attention to it again and then at the Helena, very first Hell in a Cell match between Undertaker and uh, Shawn Michaels they the lights just kind of went out and Kane made his debut Like, <laughs> well that Hell in a Cell was if you watched Kane and Taker's like sit down, did you watch that on the Not network? Yet. No, I, I know that well, that whole match was designed to have Kane debut. Yes, the match was made for Kane, basically. Yeah, that structure. But yeah, they, like after the whole thing between Paul Bearer and the Undertaker, when oh, Paul Bearer was like, "Kane is alive, Undertaker! <laughs> my God, my God, he's he's alive! He's alive!" Yeah. <laughs> is breathing, Undertaker. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> then like, they kind of just like, yeah, like the the months leading up to the Hell in a Cell match, they were just like, okay, well that's done. So now we're gonna enter Undertaker in this feud with Shawn Michaels, and then like in the like right when Shawn Michaels was beaten to a bloody pulp, his face was like literally covered in blood. The lights go down, and then Kane fucking makes his debut and. Vince McMahon utters those famous words like, that's gotta be, that's gotta be Kane. <laughs> and yeah, it rip, rips the fucking door off the Hell in a Cell, much like Robocop did in WCW. Oh, God. <laughs> that never happened. That never happened, David. I mean, Kane rips the door off of the Hell in a Cell just like some sort of inhuman being out for revenge and stares in the Undertaker's eyes and Undertaker just looks fearful for the first time ever. <laughs> and then and Kane tombstones the Undertaker and Shawn Michaels pins him. That also was one of the best reveals ever. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they got a lot of mileage out of that Kane. Yeah. Almost 20 years, over 20 years of mileage. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. What didn't have a lot of mileage, though, okay, was um, <clears throat> back, and I'm going to go back to WCW, early 90s again. Oh, God. I think and I know what you're talking about. There was, well, no, I'm not talking Shockmaster. Oh, okay. Thank God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they were trying to reunite the horsemen. Okay. Ric Flair... Arn Anderson, Ole Anderson, we need another horseman. Who are we going to get? Who are we going to get? Who Who are we going to get? 
then finally, on a flare for the gold, the big reveal. Paul Roma. Hmm. Okay. Okay, now Paul Roma was just in the WWF. He had that great tag team with um, Italian Stallion. And then after that, he was power and glory with Hercules. That team was absolutely amazing. Roma and Hercules. I loved it. That was one of the best reasons to tune into the WWF at the time. Roma kind of disappeared. And then, boom, all of a sudden, he's just out of nowhere. Okay. He's the fourth horseman. I think that was the moment that the four horsemen died. Mm. You know, okay, because when you had all the various incarnations of the horsemen, when old when Oli left, they brought Luger in. Okay, that's that's great. They replaced they replaced Luger with Wyndham and all that. I think that was the last truly great um horseman in- incarnation was Flair Blanchard, Arn Anderson and Barry Wyndham. Okay, and now it seemed like after that, it's just like, well, we got this guy coming in. We need to get him over. Ah, we'll make him a horseman. Sid, Sid Justice, Sid Vicious at the time. Okay, Mm -hmm. we'll make him a horseman. Paul Roma, we'll make him a horseman. Mongo McMichael, we'll make him a horseman. Wasn't you know, Malenko a horseman at one point? Dean Malenko was was a horseman. No one really bought him as one. Pillman and, and 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 Benoit, he actually fit the mold, as did Pillman. But oh my god, it's like this is Paul Roma, really. Mm-hmm. As 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 great as he is, you know, he had a fantastic work rate. Is Paul Roma really horseman material? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. The wind out of the horseman sails just went, you know, like Roma jumped the shark. He did. He did. So, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the last on my big reveal list. Good and bad. Good and bad. Well... Two of the worst I can think of involved Hornswoggle, which were both the anonymous Raw general manager. Oh, my God. It was revealed, actually, about this, that the original idea was to have Hornswoggle, but it was supposed to be, he was supposed to be, like, Big Nick from Jersey, Jersey, and he was supposed to talk down on everybody, like, Oh, I live in a high-end apartment in Jersey. All, all you kids fell for my tricks with my merch and blah, blah, blah. But he didn't want to do it. Mm. Like, the New Day talked about it, and Hornswoggle hates it, and they were just making fun of him, and it was hilarious. Okay, well, yeah, there was also that, and there was also the whole Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. Right, that, that was Hornswoggle as well, right? Yeah. But it was originally it was meant to be like a build up to uh, push Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy, yeah, yeah. which yeah. that would have put a rocket on his ass, and yeah, they would have made Kennedy. something out of him. Yeah, thank you for saying the second Kennedy. By the way, save me. <laughs> Kennedy. Kennedy. It was Mr. Kennedy, by the way, and also oh no, sorry, by the way, Kennedy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, that was meant to strap a, strap a rocket to his ass and like basically fly him to the moon, as Cameron Grimes would say. It would have. It would have. <laughs> but uh, then, yeah, but then Kennedy fucking stupidly got caught buying buying steroids, so they had to scramble to fucking find a new replacement, and then they ended up with Hornswoggle, and then just basically treated the entire audience like they were fucking idiots and they were like oh yeah you're so stupid and then great the call and then great colleague beat the shit out of them for two months Mm -hmm. there's there's no reason like they should have ran with hornswoggle as vince's illegitimate kid because there could have been so much you could have done like linda could have been giving him the cold shoulder the whole time you know, and then Hornswoggle can running up to Stephanie. Oh, you're my sister. No, get away from me, you freak. Like, you could have really ran with it. And like I think the said, yeah, I think the worst thing that came out of this was that at the time that Hornswoggle was the cruiserweight champion and they just stripped him of the title because they didn't think that a McMahon holding the cruiserweight title would be beneficial. So they stripped him of the title and they. Like I guess the cruiserweight title just fizzled into nothingness, and then until they brought it back in 2016, <laughs> <sighs> which I'm all for that. Well, yeah, but it just goes to show you how much they actually cared about the title at that point. Like right. in two right. it, yeah. it was kind of a joke. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, do we have anything else uh, as far as good and bad? No, that's all I can really think of. What about you, dude? I can't think of anything else in the moment. Uh, okay, then I think it's time to uh, bring this uh, crazy train into the station. How can uh, people get a hold of us? They can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Wrestling Night in Canada or on Instagram at Wrestling Night in Canada. Right on, right on. And of course, Wrestling Night in Canada is a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. Check us out there. And not only Wrestling Night in Canada, but this is, we are part of this whole beautiful network. There's not only some awesome wrestling podcasts, but there's a really cool music one, <clears throat> Radioactive Metal. Dot, dot org is also part of <laughs> if you if you kiss you have a cool one <laughs> if you well, have, hey man, there's, there's something for everyone on the show <laughs> that, that's right that's <laughs> right that's right if you haven't had enough of your cool uncle snowy tonight you might want to check out all my ramblings about the world of heavy metal there on radioactive metal and like mr copper said there's something a little there's something for everyone on the Shining Wizards Network. There's pro wrestling, there's music, there's pop culture, there's comedy, there's everything. Your one stop shop. In the meantime and in between time, this has been a very revealing <laughs> episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruga. Signing off. And we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. <laughs>